You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about X-Men, the animated series. Now, this episode has had quite a path to release. We recorded it in the before-COVID times, one of the last few episodes that's still in the vault from the pre-COVID times. I had noticed that we hadn't really talked a lot about animation properties. And so I thought, okay, well, we need to do an animation-focused episode. And I wanted to start off with the show that has probably influenced me and my tastes the most out of any animated project ever. And so we recorded an episode about X-Men the Animated Series. But as things go with episodes devoted to things that aren't part of a franchise that is continuing, or at least at the time it wasn't, because no X-Men 97 was announced at that point. As other things came up that I felt, oh, I want to get this one out sooner or whatever, this one kept on getting moved back in the release schedule until it just kind of got put in the vault. I realized that the 30th anniversary was going to come up. This is in the middle of COVID when I realized that, you know, we're not going to get this episode out anytime soon. So I'll wait for the 30th anniversary. And so we are here now. It's the 30th anniversary of X-Men the Animated Series, and the great thing about that is that because it's a show that's been done since the 90s, it doesn't really change our commentary any other than the fact that if we had made it last week, we would have mentioned X-Men 97, of course, which we don't mention in the show. The other thing, though, that I want to note, other than that it is the 30th anniversary and that's sort of the occasion for releasing this, is that I want to dedicate this episode to Michael Eden's. He was my first guest. You can go back to episode 10 when he and his brother Mark came on the show, but Michael was the one that uh, I originally spoke to on Facebook and was somewhat excited to do the interview, and he offered to bring Mark in. So even though they both came on the same episode, I do kind of consider Michael my first guest because he's the one that made sure that it happened and that I got Mark also on the show. So... Yeah, uh, I want to dedicate it to his memory. He passed away a year ago, and we are going to do an episode devoted to Michael at some point, probably early in 2023, and talk about his work in animation and the shows that he touched and influenced. So watch the space for that. That's something that I definitely want to make sure you know happens before too, too long. But of course, with all the content that's constantly coming out, placing it in the schedule and and getting it done, but it is something that I want to make sure happens. One other thing that I want to make sure and mention is that because this is an older episode, it was one that we recorded on Skype, and those of you who have been with us for a long time may remember that the Skype recorder became flaky in the later years, which is why I moved over to Zoom. I don't know what happened, I don't know why the software started just acting buggy, 
but even uninstalling and reinstalling it, I kept having the same problems where the audio tracks would become unsynced. Sometimes there would be odd pauses that it would put into the audio where suddenly somebody in mid-word, it would just like stop for half a second and then it would resume so that if you delete that pause, it's, you know, the person speaking seamlessly, it's not like it just like misses a half second of audio. It actually just inserts like a gap into the audio and it would cause things to become unsynced from each other. Now, Ben, of course, has done what he can to clean that up. So I will just mention, though, that the Skype recorder hit us here and most of that is gone. It's not a huge issue. It doesn't hurt the sound quality any. It's just those little dumb gaps. And sometimes what people are saying from each other might just be just slightly off. But yeah, most of that's been cleared up in the editing. So I'm hoping that it's not going to be something that turns people off to this episode because it is an episode with something about something that I really love that I want people to hear because we had some good conversations. But I did want to at least warn everybody that we're aware of that and it is something that we fixed now by going to Zoom. But there was a string of episodes towards the end when we were using Skype that were hit by this and that's a known problem that's since been corrected. But yeah, I've been talking long enough now. Let's go to the episode already in progress. Let's meet our guests for this week. So um, first up, you haven't heard her in a while, but the last time you did, she was talking about how you could put a paper bag over Chris Hemsworth's head and she wouldn't care. And that is my buddy, Rachel. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm all right. Now, have you seen Avengers Endgame? I did. I actually just saw it last night. Okay, so do you agree now that if you put a paper bag over Chris Hemsworth's head, that it wouldn't matter? Um, maybe it's the other way around. Like, his face still looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> that suit was ridiculous looking, yes. though. It was yes. hilarious. <laughs> Although I heard it was CG. See, I was thinking it was just a fat suit, but they were saying it was a lot of it was CG'd, so, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but didn't you love the scene where he like powers up and then suddenly his beard is braided? Yes, I did love that. I'm like, okay, like there was a significant improvement because I I have a thing like I really don't look like giant bushy beards. Like mm. it it just can't happen. I can't do it. Mm. And so it was so disturbing for the whole time. I'm just like the beard. I can't take it. Like the beard is almost worse than everything else. And then it's all nice and braided. I'm like, oh thank God, that's so much better. oh man that's hilarious um so rachel since it's been such a long time since you've been on the show what have you been up to oh my god what have i been up to um (laughs) i mean not any like i I wish i had like some like amazing achievement to Mm. share um but i don't know i've been doing more freelance graphic design so um, you know, had a few projects here and there. I'm actually looking to try and uh, start ramping things up a little more over the summer. Um, I am officially an advanced student of Kung Fu as of about a month ago. Awesome. Uh, which was pretty awesome. And I've also started training in um, the weapon that like kind of started my obsession with Kung Fu. It's called a Pudao. It's this like giant like glaive type thing. It's huge. Okay. And- it's, I mean, take this with a grain of salt because I'm not a tall person, but like it's taller than me. Um, <laughs> so, so and, it's like a Sailor Saturn situation. Ish, like it doesn't okay. have that little like extra hook on it, but like it, okay. it's along those lines. And so I, I just started like you know 
intro stuff, so like drills and things like that. But like, I'm obsessed and I'm excited, so it's awesome. Have you reached the level yet where you have to tell everyone that you're the immortal Iron Fist, defender of Kun Lun, and sworn enemy of the hand? <laughs> that is a level I will never reach. Okay. I won't do that. <laughs> Now I'm disappointed. And, and just in case people don't know, Rachel is also the official designer of the 42 cast. Eee. So, uh, so yeah, um, if you like our logo or the coat of arms, then uh, you can praise her. And if you want business, you can also, like, come my way. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, give your information a little later. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you can include anything like if you want to give like an email address or whatever for people to contact you, then, then do that with the shout outs. Oh, um, yeah. No. But uh, it's great to have you back on, Rachel. Thanks. It's good to be here. All right. And next up, you've heard him talking already. He comes to us live from the Satellite of Love, sans his robot friends, and that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. So, um, what's been going on for you uh, lately, Mike? Oh, man, I tell you, just uh, been on set in Jamaica uh, <laughs> last weekend, and I'm going, I'm actually, fly, I had to do this podcast uh, before I, before we got, I'm taking like the red eye later tonight, but I got, because I got to go back to Jamaica tomorrow okay. for more filming with uh, Daniel Craig. It's going to be Daniel, by the way. Danny, I get to call him Danny. Danny oh, okay, sure. is yep. fantastic. He he is really hyped for this movie, and I we both feel that it's going to be his last one, and he was really happy that I was coming about to join him on this last crusade. Okay. That's a different <laughs> franchise. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I love that little, like, Jeffrey Wright. And, <laughs> and, 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 like, you know what? Like, I already feel, I feel really fat. Because I mean, I have a gut and a little bit of a side, but like I look at I look at Jeffrey Wright, I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with us. We're good. We're healthy men. Yeah, we're we're good. I'm okay with this. Because if I go if I start working out and start getting skinnier, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna lose the cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need to cosplay. That's the whole point, Mike. That's true. <laughs> Did you tell me your mom one time like saw you in either the Hunger Games or something or, was, or saw so, him and so was like, Hunger... wait, Mike, how did you get in a movie? No, yeah, it was Hunger Games okay. when uh, Catching, I guess the Catching Fire was the second movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, my friends already saw the trailers. They saw the posters and they were messaging me saying, Mike, when were you in this movie? I'm like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. And sure enough, they show me the picture. I look at it like, huh? Is that me? <laughs> and so as a gag for everyone, uh, I put it as my Facebook profile picture. And sure enough, my mother commented asking, when did you dress like this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and sure enough, every single one of my friends just just bombarded that whole thread with like, dude, your mom doesn't even recognize you. <laughs> So it was great. It's great. And and ever since that Hunger Games movie till now, Jeffrey Wright and I have been have been the same man. See, it's unfair though because you're like two like geek icons because not only are you Jeffrey Wright, you're also Mike Nelson. I am. And that's just unfair. In a little bit. <laughs> and the and the cons I'm going to uh later this year, like I'm I'm keeping my eye out for a Tom and Servo. I'm keeping my eye peeled. Yeah. No, that would be amazing if you had your own crow and servo. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's, it's we might turn good. it into a video podcast <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I work with a green screen right behind me. I have no problem whatsoever just putting the set behind me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll keep th- that in mind. <laughs> but but things are going well. Uh, lots of streaming, lots of work, and just keep myself busy because I have nothing else to do. And are you going to DragonCon this year? Don't twist my arm. I I, I don't want know. you to go to DragonCon because I'm going to be there. Oh, you a you jerk! Why? <laughs> I I have to remember this is a family show. Right. <laughs> but but I got I have TwitchCon in Sept in October in San Diego that I'm going oh. to, and that's basically like all my funds because my I've also been bombarded with. Tell everyone telling me to go to Raleigh for this uh, Raleigh SuperCon changed their name to GalaxyCon, and GalaxyCon is having all of these amazing guests. Div- David Tennant and Billy Piper are going to be there. I need okay. to be there. Like I just have to. Sure. No, in San Diego, that's a really big deal. Yeah, 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 it's, that's that's where all the money is going towards. But mm-hmm. No, no, I know it's not cheap. The only reason I've ever been to San Diego is because I had a friend living there at the time, and I get to crash at his place. Jealous! So, yeah, yeah my friend got the whole hotels and everything. I, the only thing I got to pay for is just a flight. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. But um, it's great to have you back on the show, Mike. Good to be back. All right, and finally... Rounding out our cast, we have um, the guy who absolutely loves comics. He's got Thanos sleeping on his couch, and he is one of the world's greatest Hawkeye fans, and that is my buddy Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, the whole the whole fame thing has gone to that jerk said. Telling you. <laughs> Thanos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is <laughs> the he insufferable worst, Still now? the worst. I don't even, I don't even get any, any of that money. <laughs> you'd, th- you'd think, you know, crashing on somebody's couch. Well, yeah, because he hit big because forward, of you, right? Nope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how's it going, man? What What's what's new and exciting? I have a kaiju battle on my arm, which is kind of sick. Okay. Yeah, I saw you post about that on Facebook. Yeah, it's, it's, only, the, uh, it's only the line work so far, but... Looks so awesome. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Godzilla uh, versus the Dragon Zord for the win. Mm. <laughs> there's a there's a matchup. He got tired of the Dragon Zord taking all his popularity. He's like, Oh yeah? You think you think you're cool? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot you had a thing for the uh, Green Ranger, don't you? Uh, he was my favorite growing up, yeah. Sure. Even when he was the white white ranger, mm. and then he was the red ranger, and then right. he was the red ranger, <laughs> and then he was the black ranger. Right. <laughs> then he got a master morpher, which made him into all his previous. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like Tommy, you 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 cannot be overpowered for a while. It's okay. I can't believe that show is still on the air. <laughs> you say Somebody that was... as if it's one congruent story. <laughs> oh. Except they keep bringing back characters in, like, in episodes where they do, like, anniversary specials and stuff. So it kind of is supposed to be, like, one series, even though they do reboot it 
kinda. Every also, so often. Super Super Sentai is almost four is almost fifty at this point, so mm. you shouldn't be surprised that it's still on the air. One's twenty five, the other one's almost no, fifty. Not Super Sentai. <laughs> I'm surprised that Power Rangers is still on the air. <laughs> uh, so um yeah, anything uh, anything else going on for you? Uh no. No okay. nothing. <laughs> Not that I can think of. No. Okay. I, isn't isn't your podcast coming back soon? Hopefully. Okay. Because I thought you told me that recently, so I'm like, you can you can sort of plug that. Brian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to book guests in order to have it going. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. Well, it's great having you back on the show too, Eric. It's always great to be here. Right. So now you know what time it is. It's time for our five minute controversy. And so uh, this week, um, I wanted to talk about, because uh, a little movie called Avengers Endgame came out last week, and uh, the thing that I wanted to talk about, because, you know, uh, you can't go through Facebook without reading about how someone has assaulted someone for giving them spoilers, or, you know, uh, how, how angry people are getting because of spoilers. And so my question for this week is, do you think we're getting a little too ratcheted up about spoilers? Um, Mike, why don't you lead us off on that one? Uh, it's a very good question, and I honestly don't... I, It's... Damn. Ah, I hate you, Nathan. Uh, <laughs> That's the purpose of this segment. Man. <laughs> I don't think that we are. I honestly don't think we are. It's it that's that really is honestly the purpose of social media is to share, share, share. But we also have to take ownership of not everybody gets to see everything immediately. You mm-hmm. know, um, I especially come from the video game background where there's a lot of the stories in the video games, but even before the internet was really the big internet. Before Facebook, before even MySpace, it was when we heard these video games. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just make me think of how young you are, Mike. <laughs> it's like even before MySpace, I'm cradling my head over here going like, I have a live journal account. <laughs> I was, was going like, to go before GeoCities. Right. Like, yeah, oh well, my see, God. yeah, there we go. That's that's all I'm thinking. Like before MySpace, I'm like, oh, God, you think that's the beginning of time? <laughs> it's. I was there for those. I had a GeoCities account. Okay. But, but anyways, it's but even before all of that social media really became the, the giant that it is. In the video game world, we really kept ourselves together with not wanting to spoil anything about the video games. And then we did, yes, we chastised anyone who did because it's a rude thing to do. Mm. It's almost exactly how you are reading the book. The common courtesy of reading the book is like, oh, you're reading that book? And you don't want to give away the spoilers. So you're just like, oh, you're going to enjoy it. I hope you have fun with it. Bye. And you just walk away. We don't really have that same aspect today where someone's going to look at a book and go, Oh, yeah. Such and such. He's gay. What? You just ruined the book for me. You don't have that conversation with books anymore. You get it with movies and you still get it with video games. And That's I honestly because people think don't that read people, anymore. That is uh, another topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I read I, I read subtitles. It counts. And <laughs> Touche, I, sir. 
I do think that it is there are sometimes where it does go over the line. Uh, and it was specifically an article I just shared yesterday about a dude who got spoiled in Infinity War by this guy and for the over on Instagram and he befriended him for the entire year as an in game <laughs> was coming out. Oh, Eric must have read it. Oh yeah. <laughs> he befriended this guy only to exact revenge. Befriend, they became friends for an entire year, and then here comes Endgame, and the other dude who spoiled Infinity War didn't see it. The dude saw it, took pictures secretly through the movie, sent it to him. And it's like, and he even asked, like, you see Endgame yet? Like, no, I'm gonna wait till later. And he's like, oh, I saw Endgame. And he posts all the pictures, like, why would you do this? Because you spoiled Infinity War for me last year. <laughs> It's like we became friends. It was a lie. Yeah. So, so don't you think that's a little too much effort, Mike? No, heroes for capes, Jason. Okay. <laughs> now the now 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 violence is definitely where I draw the line. Oh, sure. Unless okay. it's, unless it's a mob mentality. And in that case, it, you know, emotions flare, and we're cavemen <laughs> oh, and cave women. So are you are you are you seriously going to advocate that it's okay that like a mob can like tear some poor person apart for spoiling end game? You know, I mean, it's 2019. <laughs> Let me live my life. That's all I got. All right. Um, I'm a little scared now. Um, <laughs> Eric, what do you think? Listen, if <clears throat> if some jerk comes flying by in his truck. During the book, the the book release of of Harry Potter, and is screaming Snape kills Dumbledore. They deserve what they're they deserve what they get. <laughs> that's that's the example I can come up with because because I remember seeing it happen, and that jerk cut everything he got. So I'm sorry if you're going around day of a premiere screaming out spoilers. You, you get what's coming to you. You can't just go, oh, why'd you do that? It's like, because you're being a jerk. You got to right. let people you got to let people have the window in order to enjoy the thing before you go around yelling, you know, well, not yelling, but like talking about spoilers out in the open. If if a group of people that, you know, have seen the movie at the same time as you have or you go with friends you can discuss with those friends, you know, when you're not around the crowd that's waiting to get into the film after you. There's the statue of limitations with spoilers that are a statue of limitations for a reason with spoilers. Well, I, At I, I don't least think, I, give I'm it not, a week. I'm not advocating that people should spoil something. What I'm saying is, are we getting too bent out of shape about spoilers? No. Okay. No. I don't think so at all. I mean... I mean, look at look at look at television shows when they have a huge, huge thing that happens in a television show. Obviously, you had people screaming foul if like within the first five minutes of that reveal happening, somebody via social media has spoiled the thing for another person. It's like there should be a there should be a very specific statute of limitations. Obviously, movie and television are different things, but don't don't. Don't be the jerk about it. Right. That's okay. where I stand. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, what do you think? Um, now are we taking it too far? I don't know. Like, so spoilers really only apply to like 
certain types of movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the latest rom-com, like no one gives a crap if like you get a spoiler for that because like it's very formulaic and you know exactly what you're going to get and like there aren't going to be any kind of like plot mysteries or, or what have you. But, sure. you know, certain movies like some, you know, like the end games and all like that, like part of the enjoyment is being able to watch things unfold and like try and like anticipate where it's going as it happens and you know see what the payoff is and maybe you get a little surprised along the way and so i've actually recently had a discussion with the coworker where he thinks that like spoilers shouldn't really be that big of a deal mm-hmm. and he's just like you know oh well you know like that shouldn't change your enjoyment of the movie like if it's a good movie it should still be good and i'm like well right but like that's part of the fun is just being able to kind of immerse yourself in it and like like, I, that's how I am, like, with movies like this. Like, you know, while I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, where is this going? Or, oh, I'm not really sure about this. And then, you know, when something pops up that surprised me, I'm like, oh, my God, really? I totally didn't see that coming. <laughs> but, oh, they totally foreshadowed it here and there. And so it's, like, sort of a – it makes it a more active ex- viewing experience for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't – you know, I definitely think that uh, – I sympathize with people who get angry about spoilers. But, you know, um, befriending someone for an entire year in order to exact revenge because they spoiled the uh, a, a movie for you, like, uh, that's a little obsessive and I think you need to get a life. <laughs> but then but then there's the jerks that it's like, you know, like, like there are people who are clearly sadistic about it, right? So like right. that guy running, you know, you know, riding by and yelling, Snape kills Dumbledore. I remember when Half-Blood Prince came out, uh, there was an issue on deviant art where people posted uh images that just said snape kills dumbledore and like it was the image preview so like you couldn't not see it mm-hmm. which is just like what did you get off on that like your your life must be really sad and pathetic if you think it's funny to like ruin the in- other people's enjoyment so like mm-hmm. and i'm rambling here but yeah like it we might be getting to the point where people are like freaking out a little bit too much, but at the same time, like I, I think where we are with social media, like you have to have the expectation that like being on social media, browsing through articles, like it's a minefield. And so it's like, you know, I went on, like I, I just got to see it last uh, end game last night. And so I've been on a social media hiatus for a little over a week. You know, it's just what you've got to do. And so it's a really long-winded way of saying, like, maybe in some cases, but not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can believe me, I get it. I had the end of the original Avengers movie spoiled for me uh, by someone on Facebook. And, uh, and it was really because it was somebody replying to a friend of mine who posted a non-spoilery review, and it was in the comments. And so they spoiled for me that Thanos was behind what Loki was doing. And so when I went and saw the movie, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so I know what's going on here when, you know, he's talking to somebody, you know, that you can't see. And, you know, um, and so that was disappointing because that's a reveal that I would have really liked to have been surprised about. And, um... So, you know, I, I get it. And I, like I said, I'm not advocating that anyone should spoil anything because you are being a jerk if you do. And you should be cautious when a movie is brand new, you know, with not, you know, just, just mentioning it everywhere. But, yeah, I, I just get concerned when I read articles about people like, you know, attacking somebody for spoilers or, you know, taking a year for revenge or things like that where it's like, okay, you know, I get that it's upsetting 
but this is a fictional you know work it's not you know nothing about your real life has been altered in any way by this so it's disappointing i can certainly understand avoiding somebody that does that if it's somebody that you know and being like well you know i don't want to you know associate with you if you're a spoiler type person but you know it's it's i don't know i just think that you know when i see articles like that i get a little weird worried um because i love avengers i i started this podcast you know to talk about this kind of geeky stuff you know that i hate getting spoiled but i would never attack somebody for spoiling it you know i i i think that you know there are some lines that we should draw here so well, to, to help out with that, I can actually bring a non-geeky thing to that same token about spoilers. Okay. And that is sports. Mm-hmm. There are many a times, of course, growing up, being in a household of football, that the game is recorded because we had to leave the house. Mm-hmm. We, we had to shut our eyes from TV, shut the radio. <laughs> we can't hear anything about this football game. The football game doesn't exist until we get to the house to watch the game. <laughs> the game's been over three hours. We don't know the scores until we watch that game. It's the same token. And sport is very much more violent. Sports fans even are much more violent than possibly even our geeky our geeky selves. Sure. And of course, if that person's like, hey man, did you see that Panthers game? Oh my god, 20 to 3, we won? Couldn't believe it. Why'd you say that? Punch in the face. What? It's at home! Well, well it's yeah, at I home. mean, yeah, sports games sometimes have riots over the results. So, you know, I, I get it. I mean, that's. I, believe me, so, I won't argue that, like, you know, that's, that's not overreacting also, but. Soccer is the most dangerous sport in the world. Brazil has proved that. Right, right. But that's but that's that's the uh, the the other side uh, for me as well because yeah hearing all the hearing the violence from the geek fans like okay well I mean this was ten years in the making very true and then I had to remember about football I was like oh you know I was spoiled about the Green Bay Packer game that I definitely wanted to wait to watch because it was the playoffs and it's like you know what I did, and this is me personally I don't want to hear the scores the scores were told to me and I was like oh you can't. fine. I was complete. I was. I didn't talk to this guy for two for two days. I didn't talk to him. It's like you 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 ruined this thing for me. I need you to go away. I didn't want to punch him at the time, but you know, again, emotions get high. Right. No, no, I get it. I. But yeah, I think that you know that's enough time that we for us to yeah. devote to it because you know <laughs> it's not that big of a deal like i said so uh but yeah it's um it's interesting because i thought we were all going to kind of say that you know people are overreacting so you know <laughs> there it's, there are but you know why, not all heroes wear capes right but that's why we have these discussions is uh is so that people at home can get a little feel for how we stand on some of these things so um all right but uh yeah before we start talking about x-men let's uh pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast so how do we describe this show like what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in nerdgasm for your eargasm what the space must flow to be in the know um don't be a willow grab your pillow but that one doesn't even make sense all right stop snag a seat and listen the nerds are back with the brand new edition no uh, okay then the blurred nerds podcast rants raves reviews recaps and other bits of random fandom well see that's perfect you should have just led with that one resistance is futile Listen to the Blurred Nerds podcast right meow. Fine, make it so. 
back. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, we are talking about X-Men. And that is not the movie franchise. That's not the comic book. We are talking about the animated series uh, from the 90s. And this show is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I've probably mentioned before on the podcast at some point that this show literally changed my life. And what I mean by that is that it came out when I was 12 going on 13. And I was getting to a point where, you know, I was kind of like, oh, cartoons, that's that's kid stuff. You know, I mean, I'm not really uh, into, you know, interested in that anymore. And, you know, I was kind of growing out of that. And then one day I just decided to turn on the TV and watch this new show. And I was instantly hooked. Um, I wanted to learn everything about these characters. Um, I wanted to know, you know, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I wanted to know what's going to happen next in the show, of course, but also um, because I was so engrossed in it and there was so much time between episodes at some points that I was like, I need to find out more. So that started getting me reading comics. And that started my obsession with both comics and then superhero stuff in general, which is why I now do podcasts where we discuss movies and TV shows and cartoons and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I credit X-Men for uh, my love of um, superheroes and also for uh, just keeping up with animation and watching, you know, uh, and, and realizing that cartoons don't have to be just for kids um, because X-Men was definitely... Other than Batman the Animated Series that was on at the time also, it was at a level higher than any other cartoon that I'd seen at the time. Um, and it was, you know, depth of storytelling, depth of character, all of that. Um, so, I just out of curiosity, so do you guys have, uh, like, memories of first watching the show and, you know, how you felt about it? And I know that some of you guys are, are good bit younger than me, so I realize that it might not be anything really defined, but, um, like, Mike, do you, uh, do you remember watching X-Men for the first time? I was seven when it came out. Okay. <laughs> and yes, I do remember it. I was, it, I remember watching the very first episode when it aired on Saturday morning, uh, and instantly fell in love with Morph, and that's where a lot of my comedy comes from. Okay. Was be, was because of Morph. Sure. He, he taught he he literally taught me how to laugh at myself, and you know, at seven, being a pudgy little kid, being mixed, is because you know, race was still a thing. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, back in the day when it was still yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah, racism, racism, it's dead, right? It's gotta be. <laughs> so, so, but but Morph taught me to uh, that I can still have fun with myself, make fun of myself, and and not be uh, not be uh, derogatory about it. Just mm. be whimsical, and and I I credit Morph more times than anything for for where my comedy comes from. I love that. I love that dude. You know, the other thing about Morph and the thing that blew me away is, you know, you're watching your first two-parter there, and then suddenly it's like, no, Morph! And it's like, yeah. he's dead. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know? yeah, one, yeah, one episode. All it took was one episode for me to fall in love with this character, and you kill him. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of the things that initially had me going, well, this show's a little bit different, you know, because it's an animated show, but... 
you know, they can kill people off, you know, so that's that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, uh, well, and even better is the reaction at the end because, you know, Wolverine just punches Cyclops with a sucker punch because he's so upset at Morph dying and the fact that they left him behind. And, again, it was like, wait, disagreements between your hero characters? They, they can do that on cartoons? Really? Yeah, so that, that really, like, kind of interested me in the show because the characters were more dynamic than you usually had in cartoons. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, Eric, what about you? Do you remember watching the show for the first time? I remember, I remember watching the, uh, the live stuff, but I also remember... Um, and it probably has a lot to do with eventually realizing, you know, that, that these comic book characters had writers and artists behind them Mm. is, uh, going to Pizza Hut when you're young enough as a kid and loving Pizza Hut when you're young enough as a kid and, uh, getting the awesome VHS collection tapes that were preceded, uh, by a panel for, and if I remember right, it was Stanley, uh, Claremont, uh, Jim Lee, and I can't. I can never remember who the fourth was. I want to say it might have been Kevin Smith, but I don't think it was. Hmm. I always forget who the fourth member was. But they had so they had either two or three episodes on the VHS tapes, and they were preceded by like about a ten minute, um, ten minute talking talking panel between four creators or three creators and obviously stan was in all of them and it was the first time going oh these you know these characters they had these awesome creators who worked on them this entire time and obviously i was huge fan as a kid um watching watching the whole the whole series (laughs) from what i remember Mm -hmm. even even when you I think I think it was actually about the same age as Mike, probably. Um, and just, you know, when you when you get to school arguing with your friends, oh, I want to be Cyclops. No, I want to be Wolverine. No, I want to be Wolverine. Those kind of arguments sure. on the playground, that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 I have that visceral memory of uh, getting those awesome um, those awesome VHS tape collections with the uh with the creators doing the panels to precede each series of episodes or arcs of episodes. And it was, it was really cool, really cool stuff that I remember that I remember really vividly. I am jealous because my parents wouldn't take me to Pizza Hut. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it was, got... It's eating fast food at all was a rare thing for me as a kid, but like a Pizza Hut was like maybe like once every other year, you know, I might get a Pizza Hut pizza or something. So I knew about them. You know, I, I, I saw the commercials about the X-Men tapes, but uh, I was actually taping them all off TV at my home, um, you know, where I had uh, my own you know, VHS collection. And when I was home, when I was taping, I would edit out the commercials. You know, I'd press pause when the commercials were on. But uh, then sometimes when I had to be out, I would, you know, record it and just leave it recording. So then those episodes had the commercials, which sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Not to, not to go off, off topic and, you know, tangenty completely. But um, one of the reasons the, at least the original land before time was huge is because Pizza Hut got to, got to release it first. They were the ones Mm. with the, uh, the VHS tapes of 
of Land Before Time when it first when it first left the theaters. And that was, you know, that's that set their president precedent for getting all these like cool VHS collections that you would get like from X-Men to Land Land Before Time. I forget what a lot of the other ones were, but oh. it's always crazy to like remember stuff like that. The more you know. All right, uh, Rachel, what about you? Uh, you're you're a little bit closer to my age, so uh, do you remember watching X-Men for the first time? I do. I would have been about nine when it came out, I think. And um, it has the distinction as being like my first geek obsession, um, <laughs> followed closely by Batman the Animated Series. I know they came out like round about the same time, but I have memories. My memories of... I, I remember X-Men coming first for me. Oh, and okay. Um, I just, I was obsessed and like, you know, I, I saw like the, the two-parter on Saturday morning and was just like, holy crap, this is amazing. Like, I, I don't, it, it's hard to describe. Like it really filled a need that I didn't know I had at that age or like couldn't really articulate, articulate at that age. Like, mm-hmm. um, specifically in the realm of like seeing, girls on screen being heroic and and being active and not just stupid mm-hmm. um like a storm i just flipped over her i loved her so much um and it just started this huge obsession like my friends and i at you know i was in elementary school so my friends and i all watched it and so you know during recess we would play x-men and everyone would fight over who got to be storm <laughs> and um and then eventually, like, it didn't take long, but, like, I started um, collecting the trading cards. Um, and that's where I actually ended up getting, like, finding out a lot of the story. Because I, I never really did get into the actual comics themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I collected the cards. And then it also started, like, you know, like, I, I liked to draw from a young age. So when I saw that, like, I, of course, started drawing superheroes. And that led to me quote-unquote, designing my own superheroes, which were basically glorified palette swaps of X-Men. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, just I have, like, it, it was just this huge, uh, it, it let loose this, you know, this aspect of my personality that, like, had became a defining feature later on. So, I and I think it was probably my first real introduction to, like, serialized storytelling and animation, you know, mm-hmm. like, get going plot lines and like you know things that had happened in old episodes will be referenced in future episodes it wasn't just like you know a one and done one shot for the week and then it's like okay everything's reset and we're going to do this thing you know again batman being the other one that that started that so though i think though I, batman was a little less serialized. yeah it wasn't serialized like batman had darker tones than was normal for tv and it was definitely a little more adult in some of the the you know the violence and things they'd have in there but uh but yeah the show that i remember that came before x-men that also did serialized storytelling is did you ever see pirates of dark water I loved that show. Yeah, yeah. So to me, th- like to me, that's the show that started it, and then X Men perfected it. Yeah, that's a good point. Like again, yeah. like my um, my timeline, uh, my childhood timeline is a little messed up, so I always forget. Like you know, I can't remember which shows came first. Like I, mm. X Men is the one I remember being the earliest, but I definitely got into Pirates of Dark Water and X Men. Like, did Pirates of Dark Water come out on Saturday mornings? But yeah, I can I can remember just 
being entranced on Saturday mornings and, you know, just loving the storylines. And of course, like I thought all the costumes were so cool Mm -hmm. and Storm and Rogue were my girls and I was obsessed with them. And the opening theme song was the most epic thing I had ever heard. Um, So, yeah, it was just this huge cascade effect where like it affected so many aspects of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, as far as Pirates of Dark Water goes, just as a little tangent, um, the first five episodes um, were shown on Fox over a week. And for whatever reason, they never picked up the whole series. And then later, ABC got the show, and then they showed it as a Saturday morning show. And they started from the... So they showed the first five episodes that had been on Fox, and then they just kept going from there. Um, So it was kind of a weird story there for the origin of that show. Um, But... uh, but yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I think so much about the racism aspect of X-Men and, you know, that allegory, um, which, you know, when you're a teenager is also like the thing that draws you in, right? But, or even near teen because, you know, kids, you're changing, you're feeling like an outcast, you're feeling weird. So you can sort of uh, empathize with the, you know, mutants are, you know, hated by everybody and, you know, they're just trying to like live their lives and people are harassing them and stuff like that. And so it's the thing I always focus in on, but I'm glad you brought up the uh, female role models, in the show because you know that's that's a huge part of it and and the funny thing is the most powerful characters were the women yeah like and, and that was like a uh, storm was just like the best mm-hmm. best thing ever and like i it, like it was something i hadn't really um articulated in my mind before seeing that but then like you know i, I see the show and i'm just like oh my gosh like the girls are awesome right. <laughs> you know and i'm just like huh, huh, this is, oh, okay, yeah, I really want this out of the stuff I watch. So it was just, like, this huge, like, you know, lightning ride moment where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I really want creators to give this to me. Like, I don't, uh, like, I I need more of this. And, like, it was just, it was huge. Yeah. I've showed the episodes to my youngest daughter, and... She's constantly changing her mind about who her favorite is, you know. Oh, Rogue's my favorite. No, Storm's my favorite, you know. It's like <laughs> Jubilee's my favorite, and she's always, like, changing her mind about that. But, you know, that's the cool thing, because Rogue, you know, she's the strongest. You know, Storm controls the weather, which makes her overall probably the most powerful. You know, Jean's got telepathy and telekinesis, which is pretty awesome. When she becomes the Phoenix, she's a you know incredible powerhouse. So you've got these very strong characters that are not just strong, you know, um, because of their powers, but also they have you know strong personalities and well-developed characters and all of that so you know it was it was really cool that they did that you know i talked to um the uh the showrunners uh, or the showrunner eric and his wife julia so even though she wasn't credited on the show um she uh you know she of course was part of the creative you know process and they talked about how the toy companies told them you know, nobody buy. you know, girls don't buy toys, so you shouldn't really spend time on the female characters. And they were like, we don't care. <laughs> you know? We, we want to have these characters in there. And they said the girls watch. So they're like, the girls might not have bought the toys, but the girls were watching. Cause when they got the demos, you know, like it was about a 50, 50 split boy and girl watching X-Men. So, you know, I mean, 
it's it's it shows that you know there was i think uh, a desire there you know like you were talking about something you didn't know you needed um for for girls to watch it um, right yeah i mean it's almost like you know oh we're gonna make all of this stuff that like I, i'm gonna make something that girls can't see themselves in and then say oh well girls don't watch this stuff it's right. you know like you, you're not giving you're not you're not giving girls the, an in Mm-hmm. And mind you, like I, I, w- I would get into stuff that didn't have girls in it, but like I always like kind of would in the back of my mind, I would always just be like, well, you know, why are the girls left out? Like, why do I have to be left out? Like, I want to be heroic too, and and do these things, and then it's like, oh, imagine that when we actually do put that in there, the girls will come. We're excited to see it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, 50 50 split. So, I mean, that's that shows that that's not, you know, that that wasn't, uh, you know, a, a hindrance of any, kind. you know, you know, boys were watching and girls were watching. Um, but uh, so. So, yeah, we're talking about this show from 25 years ago. And of course, we are still, you know, talking about how great it is and everything. I'm showing it to my kids and they, you know, like the show. Um, so I guess my question is, what do you think? You know, take one element. Don't just just mention everything about the show. What do you think is the reason why X Men is a show that people still talk about? Um, so, um, Eric, why don't we start with you? Uh, probably the writing. Okay. Because a lot of the writing holds up. I mean, my personal favorite arcs are pretty much or not even arcs, but episodes are pretty much straight up comic book adaptions. Like the whole dark Phoenix arc is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire, entire show easily. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have a whole, you have a whole season that had, it was probably one of the first times you saw a TV show bounce between multiple plot lines at the same time when you had a Xavier Magneto trying to escape the savage land. No, it that was, was their way. way that, the, that, that was funny. I actually uh, talked um, with them about that, and they said that um, that that was their way around the network, telling them that they couldn't do what they did in season one, where in season one every story linked together. And so they yep. said, okay, in season two we're going to do these standalone stories, but then we're going to have this sort of background story of Xavier and Magneto in the Savage Land that will be linked. So like, sort of the A plot wasn't linked. Uh, but they they could link the B plot together, so that way they they could still tell a bigger story um, hmm. by connecting the episodes. Cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, you mentioned like uh, you know the fact that they did story arcs. So is that what you think? Because they they told like bigger stories. Um, you know, than a lot of shows. You know, a lot of cartoons were just single episodes. Is that what you meant about the writing, or, or anything else about the writing that you thought was made it really strong? I mean, well, you had um, well, you had Batman the animated series doing all all of its innovative stuff when you had a lot of done in one episodes. You had the mm-hmm. art style. You had you had so much going for Batman the animated series. X-Men stands the test of time because it was playing with a lot of stuff that you really flat out had never really seen in a cartoon before. You had all these all these story bits connecting. You had these long-term things paying off 10, 15 episodes in the future. You had, you know, the, the interlinking stories, the character relationships 
really strengthening themselves over time. You had all these all these different things that you never really saw played with in a cartoon versus a live action series in in the past. And I think a lot of that speaks to the uh, overall staying power of the show. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, Mike, what about you? What do you think uh, is the reason why we're still talking about X-Men today? Uh, racism. Yeah. Clearly. It's one, one of the things that uh, I've always remember hearing from Stan Lee with the correlation between Magneto and Xavier was, in fact, the relationship between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. And, and as a black kid watching this show where these humans hate the mutants because they're different because and it wasn't even as growing up watching it it wasn't the sense of danger that these guys had powers it could use it for destruction it was just the fact that they were just playing different mm-hmm. that's all it, they they definitely persecuted them because they looked different they acted different and of course me growing up with that it's i resonated so close to it because i had to have that talk with my mom it's like remember you might be half white and half black but you're black it's like, mm. oh, oh, okay, thanks for that reality check. <laughs> and, and and so watching this, try to I I try to even mimic and try to understand it's like what I could do to not be put out, to not to actually like uh like show my mutant powers. Like I gotta hold this back. I gotta hold it back. I gotta do this. Make sure no one recognizes I'm a normal person. I am okay. I'm good. And that's what I got from the show. Mm-hmm. And I and even going from the show into the comic books, it was it was like I'm reading the pages on the sh- on the cartoon, and it was fantastic to have two different medias, but they were showing the same exact stories. They were show it was almost page for page, and. Even now, growing up now at at mid thirties, watching what we have now, we have interpretations. We don't actually have page for page, and I kind of miss that. Mm-hmm. I think X Men animated series nailed it by yes, it is a copy from just the comic books, but they copied it, made it their own way somehow, and it it turned out beautiful. And no one else can, no one else is doing that now, and it really upsets me because this show, twenty five years later is still proving that it worked so well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and even today, like it's still 25 years ago, you got me on this podcast. I had to watch all the episodes again. And I was like, <laughs> I am watching it, falling in love with Morph and just and then going through all these different shows. I, I even decided to like skip around. I didn't even watch them chronologically. Oh, because okay. Be, because like I just wanted to because when I saw the list of episodes, I saw the list episode names and part ones through five, saw the Phoenix saga, saw uh, and just other stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to skip around and just skip around to my own little special stuff. Saw the X-Force. This show got me to like the X-Force. And it was a government run mutant program. It was the government version of the X-Men. X-Factor. X-Factor. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> it's okay. X-Force, Cable, that's right, future right. people. Right. X-Factor. It got me to love the X-Factor. And yeah, Multiple Man was definitely my favorite in X-Factor. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love comedy. Right, right. And But seeing how the how X-Factor was, it was government-run, and it was government-approved that they were mutants and they were okay. It, it brought a different dynamic for me. It's like, so if the government's okay with you, then so I should get a government job to be okay? If I'm in the government, I'm seen different, and and that just whole brought a whole bunch of other confusion while I was growing up. <laughs> but 
but the shows and but the show really tackled even if it was an underlying thing it tackled the racism that was in the world that was in the comic book that was even in every form uh in every form available and and again as a black kid watching it it resonated with me and it was beautiful it was well well done everybody feels oppressed at some point in their life and some of course obviously more so than others which is why i think that it has that resonance you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it means racism, but it can also be anything, religion, you know, um, gender, you know, um, um, orientation, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Pure right. <laughs> My God. So, so, yeah. So, so yeah, no, I mean, that that aspect is definitely a big part of X-Men's appeal, even with the comic books and everything. And, and the amazing thing is, and I mean, this is the part that we should, you know, stop and think about. This was on a Saturday morning cartoon show that was, even though older people were watching, watching it was supposed to be for kids <laughs> you know so you know that was so amazing is that they dealt with like a really deep issue you know in society um, they did you know uh, and, and they didn't shy away from it at all and it also gave us a fear of robots <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of common for cartoon shows. The robot villain is kind of a staple. <laughs> but uh, Rachel, what about you? Um what do you think is is the reason why we're still talking about X-Men today? Oh my gosh, like picking one thing. Like I I think really what it comes down to is it like there isn't just like one thing. Like there are just so many high quality part, you know, aspects mm-hmm. to the show, but like I I feel like um Eric kind of nailed it for me. Like, it just, I guess the writing kind of encompasses it. So, not just the story, but the characterization and um, just the emotional stakes. Like, there, you know, it wasn't like there were actually things at stake. Like, you know, within the first two episodes, like this character, you know, more, you get introduced to Morph and then he dies. And so, like, you know, the, the characters experience loss and tragedy and not, you know, not everything is rosy. Like, you know, they have, like, the, sh- the show wasn't a complete downer, obviously, because, you know, I, I don't think it would have been quite as great. Mm-hmm. Kids wouldn't have gotten into it quite as much if everything was terrible all the time. You know, there were definitely a lot of fun aspects. But, like, you know, like, I, I think it was probably the first time where I really saw something that it's just like, you know, hey, like, bad things happen and not everything is fair and it's it's not okay. But, you know, sometimes that's just how it goes. And, uh, yeah, so... Writing, emotional stakes, I think it's probably the the real kicker. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the character lineup that they picked, because, you know, they, even at that point, there was like 50 different X-Men if you looked at all the characters who had ever been the X-Men, you know, part of the X-Men in the comics. And so, you know, they had to pick, you know, which characters are we going to feature in this show? And now, they picked all characters who were in the comics currently, but... You know, there was still more than that that they could have picked from, but it, it was a really interesting thing because, I mean, you know, you've got your dynamics of, like, you know, Rogue, her whole life is a tragedy, right? You know, like, you know, speaking to what you're talking about with the emotional stakes and everything, like, Rogue cannot touch another person without killing them. I mean, she, she, hurting them, definitely, and if she touches them for any length of time, killing them. Um 
you know, you've got, uh, you know, the whole idea of Jubilee, and she's the teenager who's exhibiting these powers, and she's an orphan, and on top of that, her foster family, once they discover she's a mutant, is kind of like, uh, you know, this this is bad, we're not sure we really want her, you know, kind of thing, and even though that kind of got resolved in a little bit of a positive way at the end of that two-parter, she still has to leave them. You know, and, and like get torn, you know, torn away from like the family that she had and everything. And, you know, you've got the love triangle with Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean, and you've got it's just like these were more than two dimensional characters, pardon the pun, um, because they had <laughs> lives. Oh, oh, I'll tell you something that was simple that I thought was so amazing in the show. They referred to each other by their actual names, not their superhero titles. Any You go and watch any other cartoon at the time, and, like, uh, Super Friends, Superman, Batman, Flash, you know, uh, Green Lantern, Aquaman, they all refer to each other all the time as their superhero names. There's never a, hey, Bruce, you know, hey, Clark. You know, there's none of that. And, you know, it seems so simple. But it was one of those things that just gave it an extra depth of, yeah, these people are like their regular identities first. They suit up and go by these code names, but that's only a small portion of their lives, right? And so, you know, I I thought that that was nice, and I thought that that was a great way of, like, showing them as real people and not just, you know, these, these, you know, characters. Um, but, uh, But, yeah, I mean, character is really the thing that I think was the you know, one of the, one of the things that the show like really got right, because I mean, we talking about the main characters, but there was a nuance to the villains on the show that I never saw before. And that's especially with Magneto. Yeah. Magneto, you know, he didn't have a mustache, but he was not a mustache twirling villain. You know, he wasn't like, I want to hurt humans because I mean, you know, like your normal cartoon villain. Magneto had a real agenda. You know, he had watched, you know, uh, his family be murdered because they were different. And, you know, he was not, you know, he's a mutant now and he's discovering that he's seeing the whole thing happen all over again. He's seeing mutants getting rounded up. He's seeing mutants getting hurt. And so he's saying no, never again. And you, you also have, so you got that level, you got this level of Magneto. Is he a, you know, a terrorist or is he a freedom fighter? You know, which is always that slippery slope of, you know, because one person's terrorist is another one's freedom fighter. But then on the other side of that, you also have he and Professor Xavier are best friends and they respect each other. Which is also this amazing dynamic in the show that these guys don't hate each other and they both understand why the other person is doing the things that they do. They just fundamentally disagree with that as the solution. And that's like, you know, I I mean, again, I mean, you see all that, you see that kind of thing now all the time, but back then and as a kid, you never saw you, the leader of your heroes and the leader or one of the leaders of the villains basically being like, hey, I respect you, you know, <laughs> like, I really like you, I just disagree with you, you know, and, and, and that was just so cool, because again, it, it just gave them an extra level that, you know, that, that other shows just didn't have, and so yeah, Magneto, and, and, and I guess I should also bring up the voices <clears throat> were so well done, um, 
You know, I'll always, you know, always remember that Magneto sort of vaguely Eastern European accent. You know, <laughs> what are you waiting for? You know, <laughs> and um, and they and um, uh, uh, the showrunner uh, Eric he talked about that about how like originally they got these voices that were just awful. And they were like, no, this will ruin the show. You have to cast new people. And so they had to go again because they said, like, there were these silly cartoon voices that they were like, this cannot be the X-Men. And so they got real Canadian stage, you know, theater people to perform X-Men. And I think that that helped pay it off, too, because, you know, they, they sound serious. It's not, you know, a silly cartoon show kind of voice. You know, I on that note of the whole actor theater actors, that explains Magneto's dialogue a hundred percent now. Holy, you you've you've awakened my eyes because watching it, I'm like, why are you like this, Magnus? Why are you like, oh my friend Charles, what have you done? I'm like. Now now there's like they're theater actors. It makes sense. That's why they're like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, because that's, you know, a lot of theater work is projecting and, you know, having that sort of, you know, larger than life presence. So, you know, that works. I need everything redone now. <laughs> I I need I need that formula of theater actors in a just a redub one episode of a new cartoon. Mm. Just take the lines and just do it that way. I would love that. I might do that. I don't even have a theater background, but I can embellish. I can project. Mm. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if anyone listening to this knows how I can get in contact with David Hemblin, please email everything at 42cast.com. Um, because even, um, so, so one of the reasons, one of the, th- well, one of the things I'm going to talk about, at the, you know, uh, or, uh, at the end of the show is where you can purchase the book previously on the X-Men, which was written by Eric Leewald. Um, where he talks about a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff on the show. But um, but one of the people he didn't get to interview was David Hemblin, because he doesn't know what happened to him. Um, Wikipedia still shows him as, as you know, the, the, I couldn't find Googling anywhere where there's a, you know, where there was a, you know, a death reported or anything, and Wikipedia says that he's still alive. So um, if anyone knows where David Hemblin is, I would really love to talk to him about Magneto. And, um, you know, how he saw that role and, and sort of his thoughts on that. But anyway, <laughs> kind of digression there. Um, we'll find him. We'll find him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's kind of telling the things we were talking about. We're talking about writing, character, you know, the social issues, you know, in the show. One of the elements that none of us mentioned was the animation. So, X-Men's gotten kind of a bad rap for the animation. Um, so, so, so just I kind of want you guys' opinion, though. Did you like the animation? Did you think that, you know, it was, it was good? Did you ever have issues with it at the time? You know, not like looking back at it now. Um, so, Rachel, as our artist, <laughs> what, uh, what, what did you think uh, watching the show at the time? So, when I was a kid, I, I didn't. Well, that I remember, I didn't really find any issue with the animation whatsoever. Like I, you know, like the the design of everything was so appealing to me that even if the animation wasn't quite up to snuff, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't really bother me. That being said, like a lot of kids animation at that time wasn't very good quality. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like if it wasn't great, it was pretty much the same as everything else I saw. So I don't really think it was enough to really turn me off of it. It didn't bother me at all. And like going back and looking at it now, I'm just like, yeah, you know, the, the quality isn't, isn't quite there, but like, I don't know. I, I felt like everything else was such high quality that mm-hmm. it just, you know, outweighed any issues there for me. And again, like I, when I was a kid, like I didn't have enough awareness to really like notice that. Or if I did, it was very minimal. Yeah, you know, I never noticed either as a kid. I mean, it is something that I know the people making it were a little jealous of Batman because it's definitely slicker. You know, it's it's more polished, and apparently they had more money um, to do Batman <laughs> the Animated Series. So, you know, they were kind of envious of that. But, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I was car- I cared more about the, the stories and the characters. And so, in that way, an ensemble cast with continuing storylines was more appealing to me so you know x-men uh you know um was was you know was the favored show but um it's definitely something i've heard later you know because whenever i bring up you know when people say batman the animated series was the greatest cartoon and i'm like hey what about x-men people are like oh the animation sucked and i'm like really (laughs) that's what you're hanging your hat on okay that that really you know like the show deserves so much credit is that like yeah, it didn't have the same budget that Batman did, but they still made something that was amazing and still mm-hmm. stands up. So it's like, yeah, you know, maybe the the animation isn't as high quality and it's dated, but like the actual, you know, meat of the thing is still relevant and still awesome and had such a big big impact on so many people. Yeah. No, I I agree. Mike, what about you? What do you think about the uh, the animation on X-Men? As a child, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was it was fresh. It was it. That's actually probably where when I started drawing in in that elementary school, I always had like we we called those cloud muscles. Mm. We just because you just draw them like a cloud. Sure. Just, they just get bigger and bigger, <laughs> and and we do that uh, did that as well for Dragon Ball Z, but it's like. <laughs> But it's like the cloud itself. They're just like cloud muscles. Like, yeah, that's how every muscle is. It's a cloud. Uh-huh. And, uh, but now at this older age that I am, I look at it and I'm like, well, there were a lot of inconsistencies. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but what? But I always go back to that kind of art style with the level of detail and attention that was done compared to the animation that we see today, where they, there is talent observed. All right, there's talent observed, mm-hmm. but to me, it's rushed. Mm-hmm. The level of detail is completely missing, and that's why you don't have full cloud muscles. You just have a line. You don't have eyes and uh, the actual eyeballs, the actual irises, and anything eye-related. You don't have that level of detail. You just have a circle. Mm-hmm. The, the level of detail within each specific costume. And truth be told, I'm actually looking at a picture of Sabretooth right now. I can't tell if he's naked or... <laughs> and then, it it like, is supposed that, to be a costume, but yes, that is a question that a lot of people have. Like, even my daughters <laughs> asked me that. under that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like... So, but, but again, even looking at his naked costume, it was still a level <laughs> of detail with his cloud muscles and and just the hair, uh, his, his mane, his hair, his his teeth, like it was so fully developed. It was amazing to look at, and I I liked it when a child. I appreciate it now at an older age, 
and I will always and again there were some consistencies, but in the end, the level of detail done to it and the time that you could easily see, I enjoy it and I thank them for it. And uh, what about you, Eric? What did you think about the animation? No, that first season. I mean, obviously, as a kid, you don't notice these things. Mm-hmm. So I love the animation throughout. But man, that first season is rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, it's it's the only show that I've ever seen where the first time they aired the first season is different from every time they reran it because they were so strapped for time that even if the episodes came in wrong, they would just air what they had with all the mistakes and errors in it. And then later, you know, because they did send it back to get it redone by the by the studio in Korea that was doing it. And um and so then on reruns, the episodes actually looked better because they had fixed a lot of the errors. And the reason that I know this is because I was taping them at the time and I would see suddenly in a rerun that, wait a minute, you know, put in the tape, <laughs> compare it. It's like, no, that's not what was there in that scene before, <laughs> you know. So uh, it was, and, and yeah, I mean, it's something that they, they, they talk about now in interviews and stuff. But uh, But yeah, that first season actually went out and it was, uh, you know, not not the version you see now when you see it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, obviously, in your kid brain, you don't you don't go, this animation looks terrible. You go, ooh, you know, like, ooh, pretty colors, mm. ooh, things shooting, lasers shooting at things <laughs> when you don't even it's, it's and then you look back on it as an adult and go, wait, there were no real guns. They're all lasers. Mm. <laughs> Stuff like that. You know, the uh, the E.T. flashlight situation, mm. but with a cartoon. You know, it, 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 you know, usually it's not so bad because you can sort of consider the X-Men as just vaguely a few years in the future or whatever. But the one episode where it is such a ridiculous thing is the episode, the first one with Nightcrawler, where you've got basically these peasant villagers storming the monastery where Nightcrawler is. They're literally carrying pitchforks and torches. <laughs> and then the one guy whips out a laser rifle and starts shooting. And I'm like... No, no, these people would not have laser guns, okay? <laughs> you know, he would have an old-style rifle if not, if nothing else. And so it just was so ridiculous to have, you know, the peasants with torches and then a laser gun. <laughs> it, it was obviously Latveria. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry, I don't mean to <laughs> digress there. No, you're good. I just felt like throwing that joke out there. No. <laughs> Dr. Doom is responsible. He gives all his people laser guns, <laughs> obviously. Sure. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, did you have anything else you want to say about the animation? Uh, I know towards the end of the show, like it actually, especially like for the, uh, for like the Bishop stuff and the apocalypse arc and like all the crazier stuff that they get into. I, I always thought like looking back on it, that was like some of the best animation at the time. Mm-hmm. He's right. He's right. I do specifically remember actually watching when Beast and Jubilee are out. It was the right. It was the Return of Apocalypse with the help of Casser and the animation from that episode. It, I remember that specifically because it was the last one I remember. That that animation style was definitely more of the evolved, clean aspect. It didn't show. It still kept the cloud muscles, but it was more polished. 
Yeah. And and not as rough as the like the very first episode, the very first season. Yeah, the last six episodes, because those were like greenlit, like much like they had finished their order and then suddenly Fox ordered like more, you know, six more episodes. And so that's actually a different studio that did the last six episodes. Gotcha. Um, so that's why it looks different. What's that? T- I think it's either two or three parter where like Bishop's a lead character and like a whole bunch of different uh, mutants are being... Um, being captured and and like thrown into the 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 uh what do they what do they call it like axis of time yep. okay i love that you and know where I was that going. is called beyond good and evil yep. no yeah. that's like that yeah, was a four part that's that's some of that animation that i really remember even impressing me as a kid mm-hmm. yeah well and see that's the thing you know, like, uh, I think Rachel was the one who mentioned that the character designs were good. And, yeah, that's the thing. So, like, um, friend of the show, Will Minio, um, actually designed, did the character designs. He's the one that actually did that work. So that was done stateside. But the animation was done overseas in Korea. And so what happened is, you know, to sort of save money, and this is why I think there's sort of the dichotomy of sometimes we're saying, hey, the animation was good, and some people say it's bad. If you ever pay attention to the backgrounds the backgrounds are really poorly done. And that's one of those things to save time and money. Like you just sort of sketch in a background, right? And so like, I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff that was happening in the foreground and a lot of the character movements and stuff was usually pretty good. But if you start like looking and trying to like look at everything in the scene, then that's where it doesn't hold up where like, you know, buildings don't look symmetric, you know, like a window will be here and the window next to it's kind of like a little lower or whatever, because they're just kind of like sketching that in, you know, and uh, and so that stuff looked a little bit uh, lazy, but I don't think people normally notice that. The first time they're watching it. I think you have to watch it quite a few times before you start looking at backgrounds and paying attention to that kind of stuff. So um, I don't think it's the problem that some people have made it out to be. Although it clearly isn't as polished as as like a Batman. Um, But uh, another thing that I want to talk about with the show was the intro. You know, both both the song and the visuals, you know, which... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, Eric, what why are you laughing eric no because the second anybody if, if you grew up on x-men the animated series the second anybody brings up the intro all your brain is going well see that's the thing okay so yeah we're 25 years later and we're all thinking you know so you know Obviously, the intro is one of the, you know, really important aspects of any show because that's what, you know, people see first and that's what kind of gets them hooked on there. So, you know, just, I mean, we don't have to go too much depth into it, but I mean, like, just thoughts about the intro. Um, Mike, we'll, we'll start with you. Like, either the music or the visuals or anything, like, do you think that it worked? Do you think it could have been better? You know, what do you, what do you think about it? I don't it? want it touched. I, I want right. it preserved. <laughs> For, for everyone I don't even want like I don't even want it remixed I d- well, well you know the last few episodes they had a, a remixed version with like different visuals yeah right? I skipped it okay yeah Uh, Yeah, they they added they made it like sort of like a little more like got a little more like uh guitar rock riff in there and uh and then they just showed a bunch of scenes from the series like it wasn't like the like the you know each character shows up with their name above it you know kind of thing that you know had before it was just that was that what that is what made those characters personalized 
It was their own mm-hmm. spe- specific intro, their own logo. It was great. And I love the team dynamics. So seeing the Brotherhood of Mutants running on the other side towards them was like, oh, sh- oh who is this? This okay, hold on. That's Avalanche. That's Blob. Who are their counterparts? Do you turn to the X-Men? Oh, it's it, Avalanche and, and Cyclops. Can that work together? Like, what's going to happen between this? I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan too, so it's like, what's gonna happen between these wrestling matches? Let's do this. Let's let's get in the ring. <laughs> and and then the music was so in tune with what we saw visually because I always remember from the music when they did the cuts to Professor X using his power and then Magneto using his. Just Magneto showing mm. his fist and seeing the uh, the pulse from the mag- magnetism. The music went with it so well. Oh, it's so palpable. It's so good. It. My, my my friend at school used to sometimes like put his hand to his forehead and then I'd raise my palm, you know, <laughs> my, you know my hand up and sort of squeeze like Magneto and we'd do that. <laughs> it's man, it, that that intro was was really good. And, and I don't want a TV show intro to have sneak peeks of the episodes of even future or past episodes. To me, at that point, it's lazy. What X-Men did was pure and exact before they changed it. It was their own specific characters having their own intro, their own logo, and we 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 immediately were drawn to each one as they did their own thing for this intro. And and that's all it was. And what how long was it? Like was it 30 seconds? It was a minute. It was a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fairly longish intro, yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. That was cuz yeah. you were not bored. You actually when that music started and it immediately goes right into action, right at the int- right at the first second, right in the end. You get music coming in, action's going on, and you're like, "All right, let's do this. Let's let's sit down and yeah. watch this full minute of this intro before the show actually starts." And that's then we get last time on the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> no, previously, oh, previously. Sorry, previously on the X Men. It's the name of a book, so I feel like I have Understood. to. Understood. Understood. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, you know, those logos for most of those characters didn't exist. They made them up for the show. Like, Wolverine had his own logo and maybe one or two of the other characters. But a lot of those logos, they just had to design a personalized logo for every character. I loved it. And, yeah, that's actually where, like, Gambit's logo came from, right? Because I don't remember Gambit having a logo in the books at that time. Yeah, you might be right. And then the, then Marvel, though, when they did the Gambit Limited series, they used the logo from the, the animated series. Yeah. Like, no. I love, and I don't know why, but I just like Gambit's logo. I have mm-hmm. I have no rhyme or reason, but when I walk look at it from that show, it's like, it's good. That's a good logo. And, and I look at it, and, of course, I'm a 90s kid. It's very nineties, and I just, <laughs> I just, it, I just want to eat it all up. It's just so good. <laughs> Highly recommend looking up the uh, stop motion version that someone did. They took all the um, Marvel Legends figures, um, and I think they had to like make one for like I think maybe Jubilee, but like the stop motion one that somebody made is beautiful and looks exactly well, like on a budget, but exactly like the. Uh, like the actual cartoon it's really surprising how well they how well they managed to do it yeah you know we almost didn't get that intro because stan lee was pushing hard for him to do a narrated intro that he was going to do and everybody was kind of like no you know (laughs) like you know we love you stan but you know that that would just completely change the vibe of the show 
you know so uh, i'm kind of glad we didn't have like the the narrated intro because i think that sort of you know i think the intro that we got was you know really strong um but uh but rachel what about you do you have any thoughts about the intro and and whether you liked it didn't like it um i can't really top mike's uh raving about it okay sure (laughs) he he pretty much encompassed everything i felt about it like I, i can remember the first time i saw it i was just like oh my god like this is epic like i was completely enthralled and like you know the the music was just so amazing like it was just really like you know you know it got you pumped but it was also kind of mysterious too and like you know the way they did the character intros i can remember seeing all of them and just being like oh what what does she do oh what what's his power i want to know more and it was just like oh, i just pulled you in it was so good yeah. Well, I mean, that's the cool thing, right? Because like, yeah, I know it's hard to, re- to think about now, but there, that was a time when nobody knew who the X-Men were. They were not well known outside of comic book readers. And when you think about, you know, what the publication was of the X-Men comic and then look at the demographics for the show, it was like, I don't know, like a hundred times more people were watching the show than were reading the comic. So there were a lot of people out there who didn't know who these characters were. And so the song was their way of basically saying, like, here's not only their names, but here's them demonstrating, you know, their powers, you know, right there in the very beginning of the show. So it gave everyone like a really quick, like, you know, okay, this is what this person does. This is what that person does. And even though some of them, you know, could do more than what they showed in the show, at least they were able to demonstrate one power, you know, in, in the, in the intro. Um, but, uh, but Eric, uh, how about you? Did you have any, uh, thoughts, other thoughts about the, uh, the intro? Uh, extremely catchy, extremely, um, Mm memorable to the point that you know you can like if you hear that song you can close your eyes and be like this happens this happens this happens i mean Mm. the the jubilee fireworks wolverine's claws slicing through and then you know him being up on that mountain uh beast and just there's so much there's so much and it's so good Mm mm-hmm yeah well and then even like some of the more subtle things like you know once they get through the character interactions you've got like the scene with like jubilee running and then like the fence just like closes right in her face and stuff like that to show like sort of like again this is about you know oppression about people you know being on the run being like herded into camps whatever all that stuff it's all kind of like mixed in there so you're getting sort of assaulted in a good way (laughs) by these images and you know you got that music that's pumping you up and it's kind of like it's really preparing you to be blown away by the show that's coming and uh and yeah i I think that intro probably deserves a lot of credit as being one of the best animated intros of all time so i so i just watched uh the stop motion that eric recommended that that (laughs) multitasking i do that was by far some amazing editing and kudos to those guys holy crap that i yeah I'm on Eric. Everyone needs to watch that video. Okay, I'm gonna put it in the show notes for the episode. That so yeah. all I all I typed <laughs> in on Google was just X Men animated series stop motion first video, and I was just blown away by the by the frame by frame. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a message from Nate in a little while once we once we're done going. Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so um. 
let's talk about favorite characters. Um, and again, just pick one character, even if you love, you know, half of the characters or all of them or whatever. Pick one character that you want to talk about, because if we talk about all of them, we'll be all night. Um, but uh, Eric, why don't we start with you? Who, you know, who was your favorite character on the show? Uh, I already threw out his name about 20 minutes ago, so I'll, I'll re-throw it out, and this is probably going to surprise everybody. I'll go with Bishop. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so why do you love Bishop? It's just, so at the at the time, obviously, um, at, the t- at the biggest point in the cartoon's history, which is probably like two, two-ish years in, they were going through, um, Age of, I mean, not Age of Apocalypse in the comics. They were going through, um, I think it was right. No, I almost went onslaught. I forgot what they were going through in the comics, but I had no idea who Bishop was. And then you see this, you see this guy with these, with these really interesting powers, you know, like the whole builds up, builds up all the energy to it's, it's actually hard to describe Bishop's powers. But I mean, obviously he's a time traveler comes back because of the days of future past plot line which is which is handled surprisingly like in a really cool way on the cartoon that i thought um but i mean bishop in general like all the plots he ends up connected with and not everything that he goes through on the show uh even compared to the comics i think he got this huge spotlight in those last few seasons that versus the comics where they didn't they didn't necessarily know what to do with him at the time i mean he didn't really get his solo comic book series until i think about 96 97 after the uh miniseries they finally gave him a shot at his own uh full-fledged ongoing which is actually really good if no one's read it highly recommend but on the show like i said he gets he gets full spotlight and from the days of future past stuff to just like we were talking about the four-parter where he's essential it's just there's there's so much there's so much I like about about Bishop on the show where he's not putting up with anyone's nonsense. He's like a mix between um, he's a mix between I'd say uh, thank you brain for freezing completely on my time travel characters. Grr. Um, he's a mix between uh, between Sarah Connor and like a handful of badass characters, but at the same time, you know, he's still got that human level to him because he knows that if he fails his mission, everything is screwed. <laughs> right. Oh, and by the way, I, I do want to say, so, so, you know, we've all been really respectful of each other and everything. And I obviously want you to still be respectful, but if you want, since we're each do like doing one character at a time, if you want to talk about that character after somebody brings them up, that it's, it's fair to, to jump in. Like if anyone else wants to say anything, something about Bishop, um, Cool. Bishop was pretty cool. <laughs> so, so, so as far as I remember with Bishop, his power was that he anything kinetic damage that he takes, he actually channels it. And normally, it's not kinetic. It's not it's kinetic. like energy blasts. Okay. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's only. It's, so yeah. He, he's not like strong guy where like if you punch him, he absorbs that energy. He he gets like so like if somebody uses like a like an energy based power on him, he absorbs it. Okay. Yeah. It's like. It it builds up almost like a almost like a shield would, and then kind of explodes out of him when he picks the right time. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He channeled it through his gun a lot of times when yep. he had it on him. Yeah. Oh my god, poor strong guy too. 
All right, I didn't mean to digress into Strong Guy because he was barely in, in the cartoon. But uh... he, he was. But then when you find out why, because yeah, when you find out why he's like that, poor guy. No, uh, oh, I I know. Yeah, no. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not. We're not going to talk about Strong Guy. He's not on this animated show, <laughs> except for one cameo <laughs> for one episode. <laughs> Right. Still my favorite. Okay. Um, as much as I do love Morph, uh, my favorite character was actually Gambit. This was this okay. is why I was so uh, adamant and okay and pushing for a Gambit movie. I don't care if it was going to be uh, that that guy. Uh, I like him. I like him in everything else, and I think he would. Channing pretty, Tatum. Thank you. I, I think he would have done a pretty <laughs> decent job, and even the previous version of. Uh, of Gambit that we saw with Taylor. I can't remember his last name. Uh, I know. You hate him. You're hurting me, Mike. I know, and it's on purpose. <laughs> but but with Gambit, the one thing uh, I did like about him was uh, he, he made thiev- thievery seem really cool. Like he Because hmm. he was just a smooth operator, and as a uh, pudgy mixed child who had nowhere to go, I know, it's a lot of of self improvements here, uh, I he he was a ladies' man, and I yeah. honed in on that. There was a lot of times where I definitely called women share. I'm like, what are you, okay. what are you talking about, share? Like, <laughs> of course, now in 2019, that's not the thing to do anymore, kids. That's it's very rude. So don't do it. <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking of the audacity of someone thinking they're as smooth as Gambit. (laughs) I I do love Gambit, but all I can think of uh, looking back, especially watching some of those episodes, is Gambit's not smooth. He's Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But that's the thing with Pepe as well. He believes in love and he ain't going to stop. Not in a bad way, but just like. <laughs> okay, because that I know, came off I know, really I know. bad. But no, his 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 love, his, his lust or love, whatever you want to call it, his admiration for for Rogue, and even without the whole mm. touch thing, like he didn't care. He was still he was still in love with her. He still wanted to be with her, and yeah, it was her pushing away, and for the good reasons. She, Flau said it. And even in today's comics, they got married. And in my, and I'm looking at this like, oh, he found his love finally. Yay. I was always like, why doesn't Rogue just knock Leech out and shove him under the bed? You know, seven-year-old Mike, seven-year-old Mike, I don't think he was going to go that direction. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just like, that way, you know, they, they don't have their powers, you know? Leech would be an asset know. to the world. I don't know why there wasn't just a full episode of even, even uh, whoever the bad guys are trying to kidnap Leech. Leech was there for the Murloc episodes, but then when you figure out his powers, it's like, Leech is the right. key to everything. <laughs> And but but yeah, Gambit uh, Gambit didn't teach me love, but he showed me that if you love someone, you should at least try and and fight your way through it. And I, I appreciate Gambit's lesson in that manner, and also learning that I cannot speak to the Louisiana tongue. Right. <laughs> Harsh life lessons learned from X Men. Leech was too busy hanging out with uh, Franklin Richards. Um, Chamber and Howard the Duck in Generation X. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't start. I'm just saying. Don't start. 
<laughs> no, I know. I read those issues too, but it's it's not. We're talking about the animated <laughs> show. <laughs> All right. So, but just, yeah, just getting back to Bishop for a second. Um, did you ever watch the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr.? Oh yes, hell yeah. He would have made a perfect yeah, Bishop. Yeah, Bowler. I mean, Bris- Bishop and Bowler were like the same character. They really were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like just one's like an old west guy and the other one's from the future, but somehow they're the same. And the thing that I loved about Bishop, I don't know why I thought it was so cool, but Bowler also had it like like design-wise was that he had the holster for his gun on his back. And I just thought that was so cool. You're used to people having it on their hip, right? And so it was just really cool. He just reaches back, whips out his gun, starts shooting, you know. I don't know. As a kid, I thought that that was really cool. Um but uh, Rachel, Rachel, we've all been talking here. Um, do you? I know you mentioned Storm before. Do you want to elaborate on Storm, or do you want to talk about a different character? Or it's kind of hard to pick. Like Storm was definitely the one that like first like really hooked me, um, and then mm-hmm. of course like I ended up being obsessed with both her and Rogue. Um, I thought Jubilee was great. Um, we can obviously tell I like really gravitated towards all the girls. Like I I liked Gambit mm-hmm. a lot too, um, but. I think Storm was probably the one for me with Rogue being a very close second. And it's just, you know, she was like, A, she was super powerful and, you know, a badass, Mm -hmm. which was great. But, like, she was just so, like, noble and um, very, um, like, she, she wasn't the leader, but she had, like, all of these awesome leadership qualities and, like, she would keep her cool under pressure, you know, accepting times when, like, her claustrophobia kind of came into effect. But, like, you know, she was just very, like, you know, yeah, I don't even know. Like, she was just so, like, regal and, and awesome. And, like, but she also, like, you know, had her her caring side where she really cared about her friends and her teammates and, you know, her and her and Roe were kind of set up as a duo in a lot of episodes. And like, she was just like, ah, she was everything. She was so cool. Well, she was also the second in command also. And they, and, and, you know, one of the things that I think was, was really awesome that they dealt with like really early on was the claustrophobia Mm -hmm. because, you know, again, you have this really powerful character, and this is one of the reasons why I hated a lot of, you know, older cartoons that I watched, is, like, you'll have a Superman-type character, yeah. right? They can do anything unless you have the pot MacGuffin known as Kryptonite. Mm. And, you know, that's that's it, you know? Like, otherwise, he can just do whatever. Um, so I really like the fact that they set up Storm as arguably the most powerful character on the team, but then also showed that, well, guess what, though? She has this really bad downside, too. She has this, you know, emotional or psychological, I mean, I guess I don't know the exact term, the claustrophobia, the trauma that she's had. Uh, I guess that's the that's a term that'll work. She's had this trauma of being buried under rock, which they did show in a flashback, you know, and... Um, you know, she's terrified of enclosed spaces. And so, again, it showed that these people are not perfect. You know, even if they have a lot of powers, you know, they each have something that they're dealing with and something that can, you know, make them weak also. And so that made the stories more interesting as well as giving the characters more depth. Yeah, and I think it made them more relatable too because, like, you know, Mm. like you've got your Superman that's like, well, you're perfect. You can't do anything wrong. Like... I can't relate to that at all, like, but, you know, people who, 
you know, it's like, okay, they've got these amazing powers, but they also have like the same psychological hangups as anybody would. And so, you know, they were able to do these amazing things despite their flaws and despite their weaknesses, you know, it just made them more endearing. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm thinking here, do I want to talk more about Magneto? I kind of covered Magneto, so I think I'm going to say, um, although I really liked Gambit, since Gambit's already been talked about, my other favorite was Beast. And the funny thing was that Beast almost wasn't a regular on the show. They were always going to have him in the first two-parter, but then he gets captured. And originally they were just going to be like, yeah, we'll show him like released at some point later, but like we're, we're not going to have him as a regular. The writers loved Beast so much, they were like, no, in the next season he's going to be a regular. <laughs> you know? And that's because, you know... The general nerdy character in shows is, I'm here to give all the exposition and to tell you about the, you know, the, 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 the techno babble and, you know, the, the cool devices that I've made and everything. Beast was that, and he could do all that. But Beast also had this amazing sense of humor. And so you got this character who was smart, but he was also hilarious. And I really liked it that when they did the crossover with the Spider-Man animated series, that it was mostly a Beast and Spider-Man story. Because I'm like, yeah, those are the two characters that would... Because they both have the sense of humor, and they're both really smart. And so these are the guys that would get along, you know, and chat with each other and everything. And so it was always fun. It was also fun that the Beast was always trying to find, like, a quote to like fit their situation so he had like rattle off something that was you know ranged from something fairly common to something really obscure and you know and the writers love writing for him and i totally get it because the beast was a really fun like my daughter will still bring up like um the like she laughs so hard there's an episode where the friends of humanity they've got their guns and beast he hangs from a light pole grabs the gun out of the guy's hand and he says i don't know if you're aware of this but this is a dangerous weapon <laughs> And my daughter thought that was, like, the funniest thing is how, like, he's totally acting serious about, you know, the fact that he's, like, just being like, oh, you know, this is a dangerous weapon. Did you realize? You know, so, yeah, I, I, I thought Beast was great. So, uh, the next thing that I want to talk about is favorite episode. If you can remember, like, I get the title. You might not remember the title or whatever. If you can describe it, that's perfectly fine. Um... So, um, Rachel, uh, let's start with you. Do you do you remember an episode that was your favorite in the series? Yeah, um, like I don't know if it's necessary if it was necessarily my favorite at the time, but it's the one that's like stuck mm -hmm. with me the most over the years, sure. I think. And that was I, I can't remember the title of it, but it was the one where Rogue's past is revealed, and it, it's revealed how mm -hmm. she got her super strength in flight, which is why by absorbing her powers from Miss Marvel. And A Rogue's Tale. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, you know, we get Mystique in there and like, it was just such good character development for her. And you see like all of this, like regret and shame that she carries with herself because, you know, she did this thing that she can't undo. And like, and, and you see like the internal psychic battle between, you know, Miss Marvel's personality, which is trapped in her and, you know, Xavier's trying to help her through it. And, you know, like the, thing that like really sticks with me is like the part where like Xavier is helping her like kind of lock Miss Marvel away and like Rogue's just like she just starts crying and says I'm sorry I'm so sorry and it was just like oh 
it was just such a, a tearjerker episode for me, but it was just like, you know, I, I think that was probably the first time I really saw that kind of like depth of character development um, in a cartoon. And uh, it was just so compelling. I loved it so much. Yeah, uh, that's a really good one to bring up because, yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing it from Rogue's point of view, and you're supposed to be sympathizing with Rogue, but you're right. I mean, that's the thing. You watch this episode, too, and you see this woman who was a hero that was trying to stop these villains who didn't ask to be, like, drained away, and she just wants to be able to live again, and then she's, like, locked away at the end of it. It's just like, this is horrible, yeah. you know? It's like, you know, yeah, like you said, like, Rogue's really sorry about it and everything, but it's like, this person, you know, has had their life, like, just ripped away from them and can only exist in this sort of like shadow way in the back of somebody else's mind and it's just yeah i mean it's it's really dark when you think about it and and, um, and you had brought up earlier about how like you know the the villains aren't very black and white so like magneto has more depth to him and so like in this case it's like well you know again like you said you're supposed to be sympathizing with rogue but like you're seeing this and it's just like yeah i can see why miss marvel's really angry and stuff like i'd be pretty upset too so it's just like you know the resolution is like okay well you know rogue rogue wins and everything like that but she doesn't really win because it's still this thing that is going to weigh on her so yeah like it it wasn't it it was like a very shade of gray episode like you know you you wanted rogue to be be okay but then you you of course sympathized hugely with miss marvel and then of course the you know the end of the episode implies that like you know she might recover or whatnot i don't don't think they ever revisited that in the show but you know it was like a little like spot of hope at the end Yeah, no, I, I, I would have liked that if they had gone back to that because, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of horrible. <laughs> and because that's the thing, like that's what she's saying, too, when she's able to communicate with Rogue. She's just like, you stole my life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of dark. Um, Mike, what about you? Do you have an episode that uh, was your favorite or one you just want to talk about? Um, Honestly, it really was. Technically, it was really uh, anything Savage Land because Sauron, Sauron made it for me. Mm. Absolutely love Sauron, uh, but honestly, every time that Doctor Str- uh, that uh, Mister Sinister is on the sh- is on screen, he steals it for me. Did you almost I call almost him Doctor Strange? That's what almost happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Mister Sinister. He's what stole. He every time he comes on screen, he steals the show for me. And I don't know why. Maybe it's the mystery. I don't know who he is, or or what or his complete background to this day. But he is just always the most intriguing character to me. And he and for me, he always just steals the show. He whatever wherever he's in. He's just great. So, you know, Mike, I, I know you didn't rewatch all of them, I think you said, but uh, they actually did an episode that was Mr. Sinister's origin. Oh, man, I must have missed it. I'm now going to have to rewatch it. Yeah, it's one of the last ones they did. Um, let, me, let me find the title I'm trying to remember, like, he was actually, like, in a Victorian doctor, and he was doing mutant experiments then. Right, yes, that was Descent is the name of that episode. Okay. Yeah, and that's not the comic origin, but it's the animated series origin for him. But, uh... Yeah, so 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 since we're talking about episodes and not characters, I'm gonna combine Savage yeah. Land and Mr. Sinister and say your favorite is Reunion, which was a two-parter, which is about <laughs> the X-Men going to the Savage Land to to find Professor Xavier and Mr. Sinister That's, is there. That is correct. 
No, okay. That is correct. <laughs> Isn't that also the arc where Morph comes back? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you get Dark Morph. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> who just looks like he hasn't slept in a really long time. Get those dark bags under his so eyes. So all of us today. With some mascara on, you know, he just needs some makeup remover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of breaking my own rule here, but since you mentioned Morph, I always think the scene in the episode where Wolverine's going back after Morph when he realizes that he's alive. So Wolverine's like going through like the jungle, the Amazon, you know, trying to find Morph and he and Morph have this confrontation where Morph just keeps shape shifting and he turns into uh, Gene, he turns into a reflection of Wolverine, he turns into Sabretooth. It is like the most psychologically devastating way he could attack Wolverine, and it was just so well done. Because all the ways that he's like taunting him and all the things that he's, you know, doing uh, just to like, you know, upset Wolverine. And, and again, it was just, it was just you know, way cooler and more thought was put into it. This one little scene in an episode than you saw in like whole episodes of most cartoon shows. Um, but, uh, but Eric, what about you? Is there any particular episode that stands out for you or, or multi-parter? I'll go with a cheat. And I only say it's a cheat because it's, it's a good one. I'll go old soldiers. That's the, uh, the one with oh, uh, Captain yeah, America, Captain yeah. America, and the Howling yeah. Commandos. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because uh, it even has the fun nod to, well, I mean, we get we get teases of, well, not even teases. We get full on Wolverine past, which even back then mm-hmm. in the comics was only teased here and there. Um, and we we get the really cool and fun nod about the uh, metal claws when he's scaling the uh, side of the mountain. Uh, see, I thought that was a step too far because I was like, "Oh, so even in the '40s, he can have claws, just like he does later." <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I thought that was a little cheesy, but I like the rest of it. <laughs> and I mean, technically, since you had Mike, um, Mike talk about uh, combining episodes, another really good Wolverine one is, and I can't remember the name of it, but it is the one where he go they go into his past with Alpha Flight. I really. Really love that one. Oh, mm. puck. No, I love that one, too. Oh, hold on a minute. I'm going to... Uh, that is the fifth episode of the second season. Is Repo yep. Man. Yeah, because they want his skeleton, yeah. right? They want to figure out how you can bond it. And they get to the point where they're just like, we're just going to cut it out of him. <laughs> Alpha Flight people are like, what? <laughs> like, we, we, we were okay with, like, grabbing him since he left, but, like, you know, we're not going to, you know, murder him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really good. That was really well done. Because, again, you know, most people watching the show had no clue who Alpha Flight were. And I think they did a really good job of introducing those characters in one episode. And, uh, you know, giving them each personalities and stuff. And the Wolverine backstory, of course, becomes like a backbone of the rest of the series. Because you re-see that, that adamantium bonding, like, that scene they reuse a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's a really good one. That's a really pivotal one, too. And do you know who wrote that episode? Um, not off the top of my head, but I would guess... Hugh Jackman? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was going to guess... Um, my brain wants to go Fabian, but I don't think he ever wrote for the show, so I'll go Claremont? No, no, he did not write for the show. No, Len Wein. Oh, 
Okay. Or Wayne. I don't know how you pronounce his name. He also wrote the Captain America one. So you picked two of them by him. Nice. <laughs> What's... Because uh, there is another episode I really want to talk about. And, just, and I know... <laughs> no, no, it's not... I mean, it's one that always pops into my head. I want to call it a favorite. But the... Uh, the one that's pretty early on where they uh, basically have to rescue Sabretooth and he's brought back oh. into the mansion. Oh, 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 yeah, that one. So that one is actually an Enter Magneto. That's sort of the B-plot for Enter Magneto. But I've, I've but always then, remembered but, that one. Yeah, but then Deadly Reunions is the one where he's awake in the mansion. So oh, okay. I mean, the two of those kind of cover the 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 Sabretooth like mini arc they had there. Yeah, and he he basically uh, tricks Jubilee into uh, letting him go at one point, mm -hmm. and all yeah, hell breaks Deadly loose. Reunions. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, the great thing about that one is Wolverine's telling the professor the whole time, "This guy is not redeemable. You do not do this," and everybody's just like. Psh! You know, Wolverine, whatever. We, you took, know? we took you <laughs> in. <laughs> right. Yep, that's what they say. They say, we took you in. And, you know, this guy seems a lot like you were back then. He's just like, y you don't get it. And so he leaves. He storms off in a huff. But he hangs around the mansion when the rest of them are away fighting Magneto. And, yeah, Jubilee lets Sabretooth out. And then they fight. But then, because the professor comes in yelling at Wolverine, why is he fighting Sabretooth? And, you know, basically blaming him, like, oh, you just wanted to fight him, and you, you know, you're, you know. And, and Wolverine's, like, turned, he's distracted, and Sabretooth, like, rips out his gut. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and they said, uh, you know, um, when I talked with Eric, he's like, that's the one time we were allowed blood, and they never let us have it again. <laughs> because you even see bits of Wolverine's costume hanging on Sabretooth's nails. After the after the slash, mm -hmm. and you see the the rips, you know, through his stomach, you know, through the costume with the blood underneath, um, and yeah, that was that was a really powerful scene, yeah, but yeah, so so you had three, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I had two. I just mentioned that as an honorable mention. My my turn. <laughs> I am going to go with the Phoenix Saga rather than the Dark Phoenix Saga. Um, I I had some problems with the Dark Phoenix Saga, most notably the ending, um, where it's just like, oh, if we all hold hands and give a little bit of life energy, we can bring her back, which is such a cop-out. Um, but uh, the Phoenix Saga was so amazing to me as a kid, because not only was it a five-parter, not only did it tell, like, a bigger story than, you know, I'd ever seen before, but the way they handled, like, bringing uh, the outer space aspect into X-Men was so well done. You know, the Star Jammers were cool. The Imperial Guard was cool. Like, I became obsessed with Gladiator. You know, because you have that wonderful scene in the Phoenix Saga where he just shows up and the Juggernaut's like, why are we listening to Mr. Bad Hair Day? And Gladiator just grabs the Juggernaut's hand, lifts him up, oh, right? and tosses him into the water. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> and Black Tom is amazing. over there is like, you know what, you do whatever you want. Right, you do yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, Tom just like runs away. <laughs> and it's like, this guy is so amazing. And, um... So, uh, so yeah, um, I, and, and just the scope of the, of that storyline and, you know, the battles that they had. And I'd say even the animation quality, I, I think they knew it was going to be a special one. They made sure that they took more time with it. Um, like it comes off feeling a lot more polished, um, than a lot of the other episodes. And the thing that's unfortunate to me 
is that obviously somebody goofed up when they were doing the DVD sets. And I'm so when I bought my DVD sets, I threw away my old tapes because I was like, well, don't need these anymore. Well, I should have waited until I watched the DVDs because we appear to have gotten like a earlier edit of the Phoenix Saga with the DVDs. And I'm not the only person that's pointed this out. Um, some of the voice acting is different. And it like somebody <laughs> I read somebody online say it sounds like they just pulled a janitor into the studio to like read these lines. It, it's almost like it's an early take. And even some of the animation is like an earlier version or something. So I don't know what screw up happened when they did the DVD. Um, I'm hoping that Disney plus like adds X-Men as a streaming thing. Um, so that, and that they'll use the, the correct version. Oh yeah. And, and also the music it's missing music in the final battle that I loved that. And that music for that final battle. And it's just not there on the DVD version. It's, it, you know, and so, um, you know, uh, so it's a little disappointing if people watch the DVD, but if you haven't, if you don't remember the original version, you probably won't notice. It's just disappointing to me who watched these five episodes over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then at the end, it's the sacrifice because like, especially if you didn't know the comics, like Jean leaves and she's like, goodbye, I've got to like stay in the sun now, you know, to like keep the Emkron crystal from like uh, devouring the universe. And it's just like, and, and Scott's just like, bye, you know, and it's just this horrible thing uh, about loss. And, um, you know, as all the different characters leave, Scott doesn't realize that Corsair is his father. And, you know, neither one of them realize they have that connection and they part thinking that they're just buds now. And it's just like it's and, and Charles is falling in love with Lelandra, but they have to part, too. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is just this wrecks me. You know, <laughs> and it's just, oh, God, it was just so, so amazing. The, the emotional highs and the and the emotional lows of an animated miniseries. It, 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 I, I. It, it was unmatched. Um, I, I I think that even though I, I may like other shows better than X-Men overall, I don't think any series has had a mini-series within their series that's as good as the Phoenix Saga. That's pretty accurate, I say, I feel. Yeah. This, the Phoenix Saga was indeed in... And that was actually one of the first sagas I actually definitely watched during my skip around. It was like, how badass was this again? From from part one all the way to the last one, it's like, yeah, this was really cool. Bringing in the Star James, Cyclops' dad, like this, it had it had a lot going on in mm -hmm. its saga, and, and and especially after watching that, the movie is going to suck. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and here's the problem, and I've mentioned this before, and just a slight tangent here. Yeah. yeah. The problem is Fox did not set it up right. If you're going to do the Phoenix Saga, you need to be leading up to the Phoenix Saga. So that means Scott and Gene should have been characters introduced in the first movie, not in the four, you know, not in the third movie. Yeah. And cuz that's the thing. I mean, when you the, the whole story of the Phoenix Saga is about Gene becoming like the most powerful being, but also about the love that she that she and Scott have for each other being her tether. If, if you don't buy the love, then you don't buy the story. And without that sort of emotional connection, 
it's gonna. I mean, because the biggest emotional connections I have in this series are to Professor Xavier and Magneto. Because guess what? Those are the characters I've been following for four movies. You know, so you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say. You know, I mean, I don't want to prejudge a movie, but I am worried about it because I, I, I feel like they didn't set it up properly. It's okay. I'm sure it'll be better than X Men Three, <laughs> but that's a pretty low bar. I'm expect. I'm just half expecting Wolverine just to come out Don't. out of nowhere and just come and shanking Gene. <laughs> oh, I, no! I was gonna say, don't hold out hope because it's the same exact screenwriter. I know. Oh God. Okay. Oh God. But but yeah. But but the other thing about the Phoenix Saga, another reason. See, I didn't know as a kid that this was the case, but now so much makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. The original, like, so, like, the two main writers for the show, they, they were best friends with the, with the, um, with the showrunner. Um, Michael Edens and his brother Mark Edward Edens were, like, the two main writers in the first two seasons. And then they wrote the Phoenix Saga, but then that's the last thing they wrote for X-Men because they moved on to a little show called Exosquad. And so while that explains to me why I also love Exo Squad, it also explains to me why after the Phoenix Saga, X like whereas I think that everything up to Phoenix Saga and X-Men is like pure gold, after that they become a little more hit or miss for me. And I think that's because they lost those writers that were holding the story together. Um but uh, but yeah, so Phoenix Saga is sort of the last swan song for um for Michael Edens and Mark Edward Edens. They they alternated episodes um on that. And, um, and yeah, um, I, I, I would love to see like the parallel universe somewhere where they had stayed with the series and see how different it would be. But, um, um, I definitely think that they were a strong part of why the X-Men series was successful and why it was great right out of the gate. Um, it's also a reason why I love Exo Squad, but that's, (laughs) that's for another podcast. Right, Rachel? Oh, you, you better believe I'm waiting for that one. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yep, yep. Exo Squad and Gargoyles. We got to talk about them. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so uh, yeah. Before we sign, oh well, one more question. So now that Fox is owned by Disney, there have been rumblings. I've heard this from Eric Leewald, who was the showrunner. I've heard it from Larry Houston, who is the director, um, of possibly doing a revival of X-Men the Animated Series. They've apparently talked to the original voice actors for the X-Men, not like all the characters, like all the side characters, but like the core cast. They're all on board with the possibility. And um, so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that this is magic that could be recaptured or do you think it's so of its time that if they tried to start back up again and say, okay, this is you know, this is the continuation of that series that it would be kind of like, no, I don't think it's going to work now. Um, So, um, Rachel, why don't we start with you? Um, I mean, like, I've gotten gotten to the point where, like, reboots and remakes don't really bother me so much because I'm just like, you know what? Like, I... The existence of this does not negate the existence of the original. So, like, I'm all for, like, if Mm -hmm. they wanted to reboot it. Like, you know, my thought is, like, the original show resonated so much with me, but like, you know, maybe a re a revival of it, a reimagining of it would be just the thing that, you know, uh, kids these days need to res you know, would resonate with them. 
So like, sure. you know, if, if it's a matter of like, you know, doing this, um, reimagining and it brings more people, you know, like it, it does for more kids, what the original show did for me back then, then I'd say I'm all for it. And shoot, if they got the original voice actors, I mean, honestly, even if they didn't get the original voice actors, like, you know, like if they kind of just went at it with that sort of same mindset, like, you know, the, the serialized storytelling, the emotional stakes, the characterization, like, you know, like go for it. Like I, I would, it would be so cool to see like a new generation of kids get sucked into that universe. Yeah, I mean, very specifically, I mean, what they want to do is just start up again, like, and basically say oh. this is the same continuity as the original series, but, like, this is what happens now. Like, they, I think they, they, they're planning, if I if I understand correctly what Eric was telling me, they plan on doing a time jump, because obviously the series ended and it was, like, 97, so I think they're thinking of setting it, like, 20 years later, but basically saying it's oh, the same that's continuity. Okay, yeah, I mean, I could totally be on board with that. I mean, like, again, like, even if I don't like it, like, you know, I've still got the original story to go back so it's just like you know why not give it a try that's why i hate whenever anyone says that something ruins their childhood because i'm like no one's erasing the thing that you love if you don't want to like accept the new thing because it's horrible or whatever don't don't watch that watch the so it's like the the star wars prequels i never watch episodes one two and three anymore i mean you know i i saw them when they came out i hate them but it doesn't ruin my childhood or my love of episodes four, five, and six. You know, I still watch those. I'll watch seven and eight and nine, you know. So that's fine. I just don't like those. So I, I mean, and I've definitely been one of those people at that point, like, oh, God, this was my childhood. But then, like, you know, I I grew up and became an adult and was just like, yeah, no, I've, I've still got my thing. Like, if people like this, that's great. But I sure as heck don't like it. I'm just going to go back to my original and enjoy that. Right. Um. So, Eric, what about you? Do you think that this that could work for them to uh, revive the show? I mean, I love the original, but obviously mm. growing up on everything from X-Men, the animated series to evolution to all the different animated stuff they've uh, they've put out. And I preface this by saying I really like the original the original voice of Wolverine. But uh, Steve Bloom is mm. kind of Wolverine now. I feel like you gotta go with Steve Bloom if you're gonna have Wolverine in a project now. That's that's my take. I mean, I I I could see okay. a revival working. I mean, it has worked for a couple other things uh, that we've seen the last few years, but I don't know. I don't. I'd have to see. I'd have to see what they like plan to do with uh, different arcs and ideas. I mean, I think it would be fun if they tried to tried to do some some of the more out there stuff like maybe adapt some exile stuff and full on full on new mutants or you know you know what i mean like introduce introduce some of these characters that have come out with the last uh 20 or so years i think it would be fun from exiles to mute mutant x started right pretty much right as the show ended i think that would be a fun thing to try to adapt especially with more havoc um i mean there's plenty of material to take from yeah and uh mike what about you uh, that's a tricky one it's I, i'm on the same boat a little bit with eric because i feel like uh x-men evolution not just well x-men evolution and wolverine the x-men those are kind of their own continuity in my eyes but they right. still stem from what 
the success that the the original animated series was. Just picking it back up from a timeline, I agree. Steve Blo- Steve Bloom is in fact Wolverine. I I absolutely love his snarl, and I I don't know why it's, it's it rings in my ear. Like talking about it right now, I just hear it, and it's just my background noise now. And, and the original actor who did Wolverine did a very good job with it too. But it's like it has to be Steve Bloom. Uh, man, my fear reviving that kind of show is you won't have the same animation quality. The studios will not accept the work. Uh, oh, oh, I, I'm sure like th- that's the one that they don't say the animation would be the same. They, they're basically saying like picking up story wise ah. and using the same like characters. But yeah, I don't think the, the they intend for the animation to be the same. Man, that's that's my and that's the thing. It's like that animation was in fact timeless, and as and I whether would ha- I would rather have that animation with that story instead of having a story with a new animation. The new animation, it, it, it's really going to have to be looked at for me. I'm I'm going to I I am sadly going to judge that animation really harshly when you're tying it with this episode because. I'm not. I, I'm sadly. I, I want my cloud muscles. Huh. I want. I want detail on that face. I want to actually feel the expression on their eyes, on their faces, besides just a screwed, a crude line that shows it's a mouth, you know. And it, there just needs to be a level of detail, especially if you're going to be the quote-unquote successor or continuation from the animated series, and. But I have no doubt that the stories are going to be really cool. But and I look at the stories that were shown, and of course, when it started off, it was a lot of racism, and we still have a lot of that today that they can still mimic. But with it being a Marvel product, they're going this series, even if it's a continuation, it's still going to have to resemble a little bit of what the team is today. And I'm just not sure that's going to correlate well with the show. Now, my buddies, uh, Chad's, uh, sorry, um, Chris Sims and Chad, uh, Chad Bowers, they did the secret wars, uh, X-Men 92, which was the actual, um, sequel to the animated show. Cause they loved it so much. They made this, uh, comic book set in the nineties, set around the actual core characters. And that book was amazing. They did such a fantastic mm. job on it, and it went on for continuation for a little bit longer after the Secret Wars. That book, that story, those looks—that is what has to correlate into this epi- into this new show. And and okay. and sadly, you're gonna, even though it is a time leap. It ha- it's really going to have to be more set closer to the '90s because the 2000s, this new era of X Men, it's not going to cut it within that story. But I'm going to have faith that the original cr- uh, creators are going to be able to work their magic. But even today, like I am not a big fan of the X-Men books. Now they are way too weird. Like just they're They just don't know how they want to treat themselves. They're, they're too far into the Marvel universe. Like we just need to bring it back to mutants. Let's just bring it back to homegrown stuff. No, and yeah, I don't want to get on a tangent about the comics, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I suspect that this whole, I, you know, that I suspect that now that Disney owns Fox and they don't need to like sort of like try to like wean people off the X-Men characters and move them to Avengers. You might see a little more of that pulling back of the X-Men, you know, from that stuff they were doing where they were like trying to almost merge the X-Men and Avengers for a while. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, for me, I think that it's a fine idea. I mean, I'd definitely give it a try. I don't see any problems with it because you can still have other series and other, you know, continuities or whatever. So if, you know, it's not your thing, you know, uh, watch whatever else you want to watch. So, um, but yeah, it would be kind of cool to see what they did with it. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be all for it. Um, so yeah, right now I do want to give everyone just a chance. And again, we can't take too much time because we're going a little long, but if there's something you wanted to mention about the show that we haven't talked about, um, you know, the, this is, this is your forum. So, uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Is there one thing or, or a couple of quick sentences about maybe a few, you know, a couple different things that you wanted to mention or talk about with X-Men before we sign off? Charles Xavier, Juggernaut Brothers, it was awesome. I yeah, okay. <laughs> that no, that's another cool one. I mean, you have Professor Xavier and and Magneto, but you also have Professor Xavier and Juggernaut. Yeah, Kane, and I didn't even know Kane wasn't a mutant. It was like it was again a cosmic item within the cosmic universe that created Juggernaut, and just and seeing the dynamic between the fact that they are brothers, have seen that history that it was. Oh God, th- those those two played a super dynamic that I really think that we should have a lot more of in the show. But I think I think it spanned maybe two episodes uh, that they actually talked to one another. I remember there was one that Juggernaut and him actually got into it. And then the episode that clearly is in my mind is part of the Phoenix Saga when Juggernaut is on Mirror Island uh, there to actually kidnap Xavier or do something or whatever. No, he's there for Lalandra. He, he's kidnapping Lalandra. He's there yeah. for Lalandra. That's right. Yeah, and and they have those like, hey, you like my, hey, you better stop protecting my scrawny little brother. I'm like, oh my God, Kane, what's wrong with you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just that, that voice for Juggernaut is, is, is another iconic. I absolutely love that. But yeah, brothers for life. <laughs> yep. The name's Juggernaut, dear brother, <laughs> and you must be Lalandra. Those theater actors, those theater <laughs> actors, God. <laughs> it's sad that I can quote this show. Now, I can't do every episode, but there are certain ones, like the Phoenix Saga that I watched over and over, that I can quote a good portion of it. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, Rachel, is there something about X-Men you want to talk about that we haven't gotten to? Um, Not really. I think I have... You know, pretty much raved about everything. Like, you know, it was just like this foundational series for me that like affected like like I mean, even to this day, like I, I feel like it's molded so much of my tastes that it's like I, I can't mm-hmm. uh understate the impact it had on my development as far as like tastes and preferences go and like even like my like when I you know, write things like it affected like my storytelling tendencies and like my art and all of that. So yeah, it was just awesome. <laughs> all right, Eric, what about you? Something we haven't mentioned yet with X-Men? Uh, Mike, Mike brought up Juggernaut, so I get nothing. <laughs> okay. Great minds, brother. Great minds. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, we talked about voice actors. Fun fact, the guy who played Apocalypse was the Klingon core from the original series of Star oh, Trek. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe, I cannot so, believe this yeah. entire podcast we didn't even talk about Apocalypse. Wow. <laughs> Some of the best yeah. episodes. No, I mean, it's a good depiction of Apocalypse. I mean, he was scary. He was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that way he talks. You, you know? <laughs> I, I, I completely blame you now because 
I, I I'm now remembering all these episodes and how they spoke is all theater actors. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, what is going on? Yeah, Apocalypse had just he had the presence, and this <laughs> is how we got the Age of the Apocalypse. We got the Four Horsemen. We saw Warren turn in from Angel to Archangel. Oh, oh, oh! And Warren got like his own like little theme riff too, where it was kind of like he's like. Warren Worthington is no more. Now there is only Archangel, and there's like this, oh, yeah. you know, like music every and time everything. And it's just every like, time. oh, man, it's amazing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about Obsession, which was the episode that's all about how once uh, Archangel was freed of Apocalypse's control, that he, um, that he just became obsessed with killing Apocalypse. He did. So good. So good. It's it's just all about just how driven and crazy he is, and it's just so well done, and about how Rogue kind of gets sucked into it, and the other X-Men want to stop Apocalypse, but they don't want to kill him. They're like, hey, maybe we can, like, just, like, create something to, like, keep him trapped forever, and that would be fine, and, you know, Worthington's just like, no, I'm, you know, let's kill him. You know? No, <laughs> like... Apocalypse must die! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just all about, like, how, like, then is a self-defeating thing and you know all that but it's not done in an after-school special PSA kind of way it's just when you think about it later that you're like oh okay that's kind of like what it was talking about you know but it's just you're you're so engrossed in the story and the emotions and the characters and you know in it um but uh but yeah I mean I guess the thing that I want to talk about is is just uh give a give a shout out for um Enter Magneto uh, which was the first, uh, it was the third episode of the series, but the first one with Magneto. Um, the episode starts with a philosophical discussion between him and Beast. And that's right. Amazing. You go again, kids show, they're talking about, you know, how violence just causes more violence and how like, well, but we can't, you know, you can't trust people who have incarcerated you for no good reason. And so therefore violence is the only answer. And they're having this discussion about, you know, when it's okay to fight and not fight and everything else. And it's just like, this is, this is a kid's show and it's like philosophy hour, you know, over here. <laughs> and then you've yeah. got that great scene where it shows just how powerful Magneto is. Cause then like all the tanks and the soldier moving on the prison and, and Magneto just floats out there, and he just does that thing where he squeezes his hand, and, like, all the tanks fall apart, and, like, the guns, like, disintegrate, and, you know, helicopters are falling out of the sky, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this guy is amazing. So, Yeah, you know. that was that was the beginning of the episode where Magneto came to free Beast because, mm-hmm. I mean, Magneto just wanted to try and help, and Beast wanted to believe so much in the justice right. system. And honestly, I feel like it was a plan between him and Xavier wanted to do was to actually show like we are still human. We are mm-hmm. still law abiding citizens. We are just different and want to follow us through with the law. And watching that scene, that Magneto crushing all those tanks, really showing his power, that threw me back to uh, Michael Fossbender's take on Magneto. And to me, it's like that is perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal his line, perfection. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and I love that. I love that take. That that's where the movies uh, from first class till now have really absorbed the strength of Magneto and even the resolve and push and the posture 
that Magneto provides that Mo- that Fassbender is is showing on screen. Well, well, the great thing is the points that Magneto makes aren't wrong. They're not. Beast was incarcerated unfairly. The mutant like registration agency was like trying to create lists like purge lists of mutants. You know, all that stuff was bad. But you know, Beast isn't wrong either. You know, like if they fight, they're just gonna create more violence, and they need he needs to stand trial so that he can explain what he was doing and all that. So you know, it's just it's so good because it's it's you know they're they're both making like great points and they just disagree on what to do about it. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and, um, the other one that I really wanted to talk about is, um, the finale for the first season, which is called The Final Decision, because they didn't know that they were going to be picked up for any more than 13 episodes, and they wrote it like it was an end to the series, where you have all the X-Men, because Professor Xavier says, I'm not going to make you come on this. Like, the Sentinels are going to take over the world, and, you know, it's going to be the end for mutants, you know, but it's probably a suicide mission. And, you know, you get the great scene with everybody, you know, and, and they don't all fall into line first off, which is great, you know, because Magnet or um, Gambit's just kind of like, um, you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this, you know, so he's sort of the argument for, you know, a suicide mission, you know, it's not worth it, you know, figure out another way, but then the whole idea is that we have to act now, and so even though Gambit does eventually decide to go with the rest of them, you know, there is actually that discussion, it isn't just rah, 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 let's go save the world, um, but the, you know, the other great part of that one is that they they really do a good job of convincing you that certain characters die during the course of it. And everyone's got, like, their moment of, oh, God, this is the end. And could they, you know, after they killed off Morph, could they really kill off, you know, might they kill off Gambit? Might they kill off, you know, Xavier? You know, might they kill off, you know, different characters? And, and it's it's so good. And then that final scene where Xavier's about to get killed and then the shield appears and it's Magneto. Mm. You know, and it's like, do you think I would let you die alone, Xavier? You know? Stop holding it because I hear theater. <laughs> God. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's another one of my favorites um, right there is is that one because that, that was so well done. And, um, you know, that, that first season, because it is just one big story. 13 episodes of just one story i feel like that's the strongest season you know phoenix saga was the you know was the best five episodes but i feel like the strongest overall season was that first one so yeah. all right well guys we could go on i'm sure longer talking about x-men because you know there's so many good episodes and i know there are podcasts out there where they actually go through episode by episode but i think we did a pretty good job just doing an overview of the different aspects of the show talking about some characters some episodes you know that kind of stuff so uh this was a lot of fun i loved it yeah it was a blast to like it because it's been so long since I like uh, since I've had a chance to even really think about the show and mm-hmm. like just talking about it is bringing back like you know all of the excitement I had as a kid. It still holds up. I mean, I'm gonna say this. I don't say that about every show I watched as a kid. I tried watching Voltron a few years back, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> 
this is pretty bad. This is this is rough, you know. Um, but X Men, it it holds up. It is still a really great show. I mean, yeah, some of my episodes have fluctuated, like episodes I liked as a kid. Now I look at and kind of go, oh, there's some plot holes I never noticed before. It's not quite as good. And other episodes I feel a little bit better about because they're a little more, you know, about emotions and and interpersonal relationships. That as a kid I was kind of like, blah, whatever. Give me the action, you know. <laughs> so, and now I feel a little bit better about them and i'm like okay this is actually a little more interesting you know um but uh but overall the series holds up um and and it's still a good one to watch yeah so uh rachel why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you um so thanks for having me i had a great time um you can i don't really have much of an online presence right now but um you know you can catch me on gmail it's uh rachel alexander at gmail.com. I'm, I'm guessing you can probably put that in the show notes because I don't sure. feel like spelling it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. It was good having you, Rachel. All right. So, uh, Eric, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? My internet. Uh, you can find me very easily on you because uh, I'm everywhere. You are inevitable. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I just can't snap my fingers. So, uh, good luck on that one. <laughs> That's not an actual joke. I really can't snap my fingers. Okay. <laughs> you can find me at Eric Radcliffe on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is, what is it, eRiddler87. Um, you can find the Facebook at least through uh, Twitter, as well as Instagram. I'm pretty sure you can probably find through Twitter. Um I'm everywhere on the internet, just like Nathan said. I am inevitable. <laughs> snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, oh, snap. Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? See you later, interwebs. You can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. That's T-Rex. And then, of course, you can always just find me playing video games over on twitch.tv slash Trexlight. That's T-Rex, light like a light bulb. Rawr. <laughs> all right uh so yeah i'd like to thank uh rachel mike and eric for uh, being on the show today loved it Bye, yeah. anytime anytime and that's a wrap on our x-men the animated series episode but of course it's not the end of x-men the animated series because x-men 97 is coming out so you can let us know what you think about that development as well as what you thought about this episode in a number of different ways one way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com Another is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave a review on any of the episodes there. You can also go to facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the more reviews we have, the more our show shows up in searches. So if you have an Apple account, we would definitely appreciate if you would do that. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We talk about each episode, so you don't have to actually collect them and watch them on your own if you want, because we will let you know everything important that happens in the episode if you just want to listen to us talk about it and learn a little more about Doctor Who. But obviously, if you can, if you either have the episodes or you want to uh, buy them and go along with us, you'll get more out of it. The other show is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. We talk about the novels, comics, TV shows, movies. We tell you what we think of the quality of the particular media, but then we also talk about it in the context of the evolving Star Wars universe. So if that sounds interesting to you, check out Legendary Forces. 
In other news, not much has changed since last episode, since I'm recording these outros back-to-back. You can find me at Chicago TARDIS. That's the next con that I'm going to be at. I will almost certainly be at Fan Expo Chicago in 2023. I might also be at C2E2 in 2023, but watch this space for more details about when I'm going to show up. And hopefully, I'll have enough foreknowledge of the panels that I'm going to do at Chicago TARDIS to give that to you before I actually go. So again, just watch this space. And so that's a wrap on this episode. Join us back next week when Benedict Wong will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.